I'm Sherilyn Lambeth. I'm a costumer and proud member of the 501st. My website is www.galleryquest.net, and I am an outcast. Janine Garner. We like to think it's the extra special episode. The extraordinary. Because, because look at who we have with us today, though. Uh, oh, I'm looking, and I see. Well, let's, let's tell who it see? is. <laughs> well, let's tell them who we've got. Why? No. Okay, it's Dave Anderson. There you go. All right, welcome wait, wait, to the wait, wait, wait. Whoa. Wait, wait a second. Whoa, somebody's been cut out. Now, Thanks. now of, of course, we, we also have, we also Thanks, have, I think. we also have wow. the Davey Beauchamp, but most importantly about Mr. Dave Anderson there is the position that you happen to hold in a little organization called the 501st. You may have heard of us. Uh, we're small, but, but we like to be active fan group. This is I becoming heard. the 501st episode. I, I don't like the way, the direction of this episode. I think we need to scrap it and revamp. No. No. <laughs> Sorry. I thought you said I was the boss. Uh, you are, but uh, I'm the editor, so come on. Yeah. I'm still the producer. The producer can fire the director. Hey, you're the CEO, but he's the director of the board. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? You're on my oh, team. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, she can do whatever she wants. That's right. You're the boss. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Say so Dave Anderson. Okay, I guess we're going to go into this interview I did like a year ago with, uh, this is how long I have been preparing for this episode. This episode has been my baby. Um, we're going to have this great interview with Rick Stout and Sean O'Rourke, and uh, we're going to be, uh, I guess it's about armor. It is, it is about uh, their dealings with armor and some tips to help uh, any 501st member or anybody who's making a fan film. Uh, to stay safe in their armor. And wow. if you're wondering who those two are, well, go watch Sins of the Jedi and you'll know. And she's been preparing for this for a year. A, a whole year. Guys! <laughs> <laughs> this is my show. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the costuming. Um, the, the props and the costuming alone must have just been a massive undertaking. Uh... It's one of those things where you start out not really uh, having any idea what you're undertaking. Um, just wanted to get some cool stuff. We wanted to stay within the, uh, if you want to call it the costuming boundaries of Star Wars, so it would keep the theme of the um, whole saga intact without really somebody running around in uh, a true Jedi um, Obi costume or something like that. Um, Croesus's costuming, um, Cyrus costuming, and our uh, youngest uh, Jedi apprentice costume uh, all were handmade by a wonderful woman, uh, Shimmy Poor, who's Rick Poor's mother, and she turned those things out, and it seemed like overnight. Uh, used some beautiful, rich materials on uh, that she was able to acquire, I guess, remnant-wise. We never would have been able to afford them, but they're of the quality and fabric and material that you would see in a Star Wars movie, which was really a big, big, big boost to uh, all of the uh, actors and actresses that were wearing that stuff. And it was really nice to be able to put a costume that nice on and did a beautiful job. Um, uh, Sean's costume <coughs> was basically kind of a helter skelter put together thing out of some things, uh, I think, from some. 
local stores and army surplus. And right, I noticed the I noticed the flight jacket definitely. Yeah, right, trying to give him a that little bit of the Bespin type of uh, rogue look, you know, um, that uh, uh, someone uh, would have of that. Now, interesting enough, um, almost all of the alien costumes came from two sources. One from a, a guy whose name I just happen to forget right now as we're talking that I thought of just a minute ago that uh, did a lot of wardrobe for uh, Chad. Chad, uh, what is Chad's last name? I can't but and it did wardrobe for uh, Dawson Creek. And uh, was nice enough to, he had a lot of odds and ends stuff and sent it over there. And amongst there were things like uh, black flight suits and just odd, slinky-looking dresses and weird things, a few capes and whatnot. So we took that stuff there. And then, believe it or not, I sat down with an, uh, a military surplus mail-order catalog. And for $89, I got three-fingered sniper gloves, uh, underliners for all sorts of coats and jacks that were Finnish or uh, Swedish or West German. You know, you could get West German jack boots for 10 bucks and all this other stuff. And got all these things. Some of these things were like two, three. We got some uh, great um, camouflage uh, ponchos that were made out of this cotton. They're supposed to be for snow, and we dyed them with a little bit of red dye, and they made great uh, poncho type of overslung robe type costumes. I think they cost me $2 a piece, but for $89 we equipped all the aliens nice. with that and what we're doing. So that was great. You know, we wow. had a lot of fun with that. We had old leather belts. I mean, I hit, uh, one day I hit uh, the Salvation Army and went in there and they had these racks, all these horrid looking leather belts and things that you would never want. And I like bought the whole rack for five bucks, you know. <laughs> Some, you know, of the other, some of the other costumes came from Dune, the movie Dune. Right, yeah. Now, there were, we did have some. That, that the gets old more one or the new one? The, the old one. The, the old one. Wow. We did have, and you'll see that kind of snuck in here and there through the whole film. You'll see um, costume and prop parts that um, were, again, a tribute to George Lucas or some of our favorite films or were just really cool costumes from really cool movies that we were able to access. So, you know, like the Dune suit, that, uh, that was a awesome suit, so it was used. Uh, one of the other gir girls is um, actually part of her costume. She's draped in some of the uh, Queen's uh, veils and whatnot from them, uh, the Queen Mother. Uh, there's, you know, a lot of different little things like that, parts of gas masks. We did a lot of the same things that uh, um, LFL did in putting their films together. I mean, he looked at Army Surplus and did stuff, and we did too, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, just fun doing the same things, you know, and coming up with something a little bit different, so... Uh, that's where a lot of it come and then uh, came from. And then uh, <clears throat> many of the uh, masks, some were ones that are from my collection that had more of the original Star Wars characters, such as uh, um, Duros and uh, Labria and uh, uh, The Given and odds and ends like this. The rest of them, most of them, to be quite honest with you, were some altered uh, Don Post latex masks and some odds and ends like that. A um, little black paint here on something shiny and a little yellow on something that was red. And uh, We did some pretty goofy things. We had uh, one, uh, we had a bug-eyed looking long-haired thing and it was just a kind of a wig deal and we put it on a long sleeve and we stick it up above the arm and it was just this long thing. You know, it was just odds and ends. It was, you know, it's 
amazing what you can come up with and knock around. But Sean and I put most of the uh, costumes together for the aliens in the cantina scene. And we went out and laid everything out for each one of the aliens, the accessories down to their guns. I made most of the guns. And, um, named them all, too. Yeah, named all of the aliens and took a Polaroid picture, you know, just like you would do in wardrobe of each one of the costumes and had it clipped to the costume on a hanger, you know, put in a... Uh, wardrobe bag, so we were totally organized and really had it together. And then, yeah. of course, the day of the shoot, we couldn't remember what was going. Where, where'd you get that? You know, but we had it all together. You know, and, uh, everything. All right, so that was a really good interview, wasn't it? Let's talk to this guy named Dave Anderson. Let's have an interview with him. Dave, you like to wear costumes. <laughs> I did not write these questions. Up. Have a way of words, baby. Oh I'm by your charm. Yes. Well, first of all, Dave, what, what, what? This you, is my interview. I'm trying to help you. Out. I will get to it if you're oh, quiet. All right. So, like, yeah, like, you remember that movie you <laughs> yeah. did? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you were that guy in that movie and you did that thing? Dude, that, Man, was, that awesome. was awesome. Well, okay. <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> Well, Dave, let's, uh, obviously you like to wear costumes, otherwise I wouldn't be talking to you on this episode. Um, so. Or at all. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I talked to No, so, uh, how did we meet? We met at Dragon Con. We did. We met at Dragon Con. Dragon Con 2004. For the second time. For the second time. For the second time. Where did we meet for the first time? It was at StellarCon. Really? Yes. I don't remember. I know. It was, it was brief. You must have made a great impact on me. And, and Whoa! Put on pa-pum. Can you feel the love? Showtime 10-11. Thank you. Wow. Uh, hey, you know, if yeah. y'all can dish it, so can I. Hey, Dave, you want me to pull that knife out of your yeah, back? Yeah, please. <laughs> a little bit. Um, Jeez. Yeah, yeah, all of us guys in white plastic armor, we all look alike, so it's hard to remember who's who. Yeah. And this time, when you met me the second time, I wasn't wearing plastic armor. I was wearing... Imperial officer uniform. So, That's right. So facial recognition, full. Yes, that, and you had this annoying tendency to call me ma'am. Well, when you introduced yourself, you would <clears throat> um, introduce yourself as uh, Lieutenant uh, Janine Garner in the United States Marine Corps pilot. That you were on the um, Captain Promotable list. Yes, I and made I, sure you knew that. And I was, and I was keenly aware of it. And then I stated that, of course, I was not on the captain promotable list, and that I. And that my husband was a captain, and, and he then was I definitely oh asserted you. And then I was definitely. And that you better be freaking locked and cocked when you talk to me. I don't know why you're not at the POA. I, you know, and I apologize. And uh, I had some Captain Crunch for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and from I'm that not point in on, this conversation. And from that point on, we kind of stayed away from one another. I saw you coming, and I would walk the other direction. No. And then that was it. And, and whenever I needed someone to boss around, I'd look for you, and you and were then, never there. And I would run, run fast. And he bought us drinks at the... Uh, yes, did. he bought us Coke. Non-alcoholic I drinks. I did, and I respect that. Yes, thank you. I drank enough for everybody. Oh, at yes, we yeah. drank we enough saw. for everybody at Dragon Con, actually. So, yes, um, I did. Okay, yeah. He just regained consciousness yesterday. <laughs> so how about we get back on track with what we were talking about, which would be costumes. Okay, so costumes. Um, well, first of all, the reason why I get to do this episode and be so into costumes is because... Why don't you tell me what uh, we just discovered you have in your outfit? Um, in, why don't you tell me the long story of how you got it? What a small, small world. Um, I know somebody who I did a trade for, um, Stormtrooper Armor for. I needed an... In, 
a Royal Guard robe set. I had the armor, and I had the helmet, and I had the force pike. I didn't have the robes. And so this one guy I know who knows another person said that he could get the robes made for me. And I said, well, that would be fantastic. And lo and behold, not but a week later, my robes arrived, and they were fantastic. Well done. Well done. I was very pleased with it. And then, unbeknownst to me, the girl I had met at Dragon Con, for the second time, was the person that made the robes, and that goes to the circle of the whole and small world ergo, thing. There you go. I just wanted to say ergo. We just <clears throat> figured it out. Isn't that great? That's why y'all got to hear the story. Oh, by the way, uh, the subtitle of this episode is the Janine Self-Aggrandizement episode. <laughs> Hell so. yeah! <laughs> That's why it's the exercise. Oh, okay, Sue. Yes, ma'am. Steve, why don't you... Which way, i got to throw in, the gentleman that you were talking about that facilitated this trade was Kevin Hill. Kevin, Kevin Hill. Who is the... Awesome, co- awesome... God bless you, Kevin, we love you. Awesome costumer, yeah, and yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say this now because he will have premiered his costume... By the time this episode yes. comes out, he just put together a kick-ass Vader costume. Yes, which we will actually get to see at the... Next weekend. Next weekend. Are you going to be there? It's my event. I it's would his hope event. Oh, that's your event? Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait, wait. We, we <laughs> still have not gotten to this. Now, you. you say it's your event. Yes. What, what position do you actually hold in the Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, tell oh. me what you do. Um, I'm, I'm the Garrison Membership Liaison Officer, which in... What the heck does that mean? I'm the recruiter. I, I send your paperwork up and make sure your paper gets, pictures get put on the Garrison and the local... Legion uh, membership board so that you're a recognized member and you get an identification number. Is Ron a member yet? I know some dude took his pictures. Ron, my yeah, husband. I, I no, don't, I don't think not so. on yet. You don't have an official TK ID number yet. Yeah, so I um, no. have to have the picture helmet on, helmet off. The pictures were taken. Really? Yep. Yeah. We not, got them. Not forwarded to the what state? Was it from Florida? No, or was North Carolina. Carolina. Well, didn't go through me, but it will from now on. So I'll, I'll, I'll. I'll spread it as the situation, thank you. And yeah. I'll make sure that it gets put on. But that's that's what I do. And as far as if there was some sort of organization within the garrison, um, I'd be the third ranking in the in the entire garrison from the two states. Really? I would be. Wow, so you would be the third ranking officer I'm in a in a fictional fan club? Of of, of twenty five hundred members, I would be. Wow, Janine. Yeah, I yes. would be. That's almost as cool as being the CO of said name fan club. Not as cool, but close to it. Uh, a smidgen. Let's alienate everybody we know this episode, all right? We're just going to work on that. Uh... Incidentally, we will be featuring an interview with Alvin Johnson later on, the creator of said fan club. So yeah, stay tuned. And founder. Yeah. Who, who, by the way, is really cool. Yes, he is. The only reason why there's actually a recognizable, if you would say, an order of merit of, of membership is to, to ensure that things do get done. Membership paperwork does get completed. Um, events do get organized. Uh, we are a not-for-profit organization. We do have to answer to Uncle George and uh, other members of, of his organization as to how we operate. Um, I just like to tease about oh, it. Oh, and, and remember, we definitely... Some people do make a living off, off of trademark infringement, um, and we don't. Uh, we're not allowed to do anything for profit, nor do we ask for anything, and any money given to us is always donated to one of our multiple charity, which is uh, Make-A-Wish or the Hospice. Um, and we, we're very quick nice. to point that out. I have done some charity yeah. events for Make-A-Wish. Yeah. And it's, it's a big deal. Isn't That's that cool. what's going on this weekend? Yes, on uh, the 25th of this month, of September, um, at the Toys R Us in Greenville, 
uh, we're doing the Make-A-Wish Foundation. All the money, the cho donate money for the pictures you take with the characters will be given, and then we ship it off and give it to the local one in, in Charlotte. That's our representative. Nice. Good deal. Good deal. And so uh, it will, have, again, have been passed by the time this comes on, but who do you expect to see there? Um, actually, like you were mentioning, uh, Kevin Hill is going to debut as Darth Vader, and um, as today, he's the only Darth Vader in Eastern Carolina. So there's only one other one in the entire state, and he's the one on our side. And uh, we're going to have a couple stormtroopers, royal guards. Uh, Are you going uh, stormtrooper or royal guard? I'm going to be the imperial recruiter. I'll be wearing the black uh, imperial officer uniform. It's nice. easier to hand out recruiting information. Um, my daughter will be a Jawa. Oh. My wife will be an imperial officer. Um, oh. And we've got some more. Stormtroopers, because you can never have enough of those to go as a baby. <laughs> well, he will be a sand trooper, but still good cool. Still cool. Still cool. Still cool. Okay. And, and, and please, and once again, it doesn't even matter if you just you don't you dress in costume or not, or or any any costume. It's just great. Just show up. It's for a great cause. Okay, let's continue. So, first of all, let me know what even got you into this. Why do you do this? <clears throat> and I was and I was telling, and, and I and I know no one will ever spread this. Will stay most us, right? I, I'm, a big Star, listeners. I, I'm, a, I'm a big Star Trek fan, and that's what got me into this. I'm a super Trekkie guy. Okay, I don't, I don't. I hate Trekkies. You got you got to be, because you, you can't be uh, first in Trekkie. They don't mix. It's like water and. and oil. I know, yeah. I know. You cannot like Star Wars and Star you Trek. Know, that's can. why I hate Star Trek. Yeah, so you always Jeanine just be like, yeah, totally. Trekkie too. Yeah. You, you hate. She has a lot of self-loathing actually because yeah, of her hatred for Star Trek. Because she is such a Star you Trek see that, that that Star Trek book, The Lives of Dax, on my bookshelf. I don't, I don't know, know how that. it got there. It's planted. It was. Pl I, I don't know how it got there. Been planted. She didn't do it herself. I no sure didn't. But and you know that that autograph of Ezri Dax? I I don't know how I bought that. I don't know how you, you don't got have it in your collection. No, <laughs> it's the only autograph I bought this weekend at, at, at Dragon Con. I don't know how that was the one. Of the Daxes, she's my least favorite. I have to say though. Really, she's my favorite of the Why? Daxes. Why? She was the cutest. Oh, she was the cutest. Terry Farrell was better looking, Terry but she but but no. Ezri Dax was cute. She was cute as a button. Terry oh, Farrell had no femininity to her. Jadzia was not feminine Which in any way. Which why you bought the character so well that it was, for so long, had been played by male. Because if That's you true. were thrust into a female body, yet you'd been a male for that long See, in your life, you would be... Hey, hey, how you doing? One of those guys, you know? But then it seems even creepier <clears throat> that she hooked up with Worf. Yeah, see, yeah. that's what weirds me out. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing with Worf always picking up the finest chicks in every one of the episodes, in any of the series he was in. You got Troy, then he got Farrah. Come on. But, you know, he, after a while, Troy wasn't all that hot. I mean... No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're becoming a Star Trek show. Yeah. When did this happen? But what? No. But, but no, it did. Okay, it started so out. It did start out with Princess that. And then naked on you liked Trek. <laughs> and then, and I'll never forget it, I was at... The grocery store, and sure enough, when they were selling magazines, there it was, Star Wars Insider 58. And it had a picture of Anakin, and it said 501st on it. And I'd never heard of the 501st before in my entire life. And I grabbed the magazine, and it would been, this had been the first fan magazine I'd ever bought, opened up, and sure enough, there was a six-page article on the 501st. And at that moment, and it had a website, www.501st.com, and I went to it, and that was in 92. Maybe ninety, maybe the end of ninety one, December of ninety one, and from that point on, I have been a uh, a loyal servant of the empire since then. Can you be a member of the five hundred first and have a Jedi costume? Yes, and I do have one. I'm a I'm a proud serving member of the of the five hundred first Stormtrooper Legion, and I also have a Jedi. Um, <laughs> one of the one of the one of the big misconceptions is that you can't you can't be a member of multiple groups or have outside interests other than Star Wars. 
And for that, that, that <laughs> or life, right? Yeah, or or life. Can you live, date girls? You know what? Yeah. He can't. Uh, he he's can't. Married. Well, you're married. Okay, you can't. <laughs> and it is not required to live in your mother's basement. You you can have a real life, have kids. But for those of you out there who listen to our show, you can live in your and live basement. And if you live in your basement <laughs> in your parents' house, that's okay too. You know, it's almost a requirement to listen to this show. Yeah, that's, that that's true. Okay. Because you're not doing listen. anything else. Oh. But, um, no, it, there really has never been a um, a stigma upon you if, you if you are a member of another organization and you do enjoy costuming because you've got to have that love already to do what we do. Well, shoot. I mean, look at Sherilyn. I Every mm-hmm. con I've gone to, I've seen her do everything from... I don't even know Battle where to start. Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. Stargate. Stargate. Oh, yeah. um, uh, <clears throat> yes, I, many, many, many just, others. Just, they go. Yes. They just, she just yes. has. She was dressed up as old school Robin. I yes. mean, last night at Dragon Con. That's Sherilyn who? Sherilyn uh, Lambeth, uh, yes. an interview that will come right after this one. And um, you're absolutely right. And and it's just such a a small community already. I mean, to actually exclude people for their for a different liking or a different flavor, it would be just wrong. So we, uh, I would ask you what you need to do to get into the 501st, but I asked Alvin that. And so what I'm going to ask you now, what I asked everybody else, but I think it's a valid question, and I want your point of view, what are some tips slash pet peeves when it comes to costuming? First thing about costuming in my mind is there is the right costume for a person and the wrong costume for a person. If you're going to be a costumer, and, and there's, a, there's a wide variety. I mean, there's so many great organizations to let you... If you're going to be a stormtrooper, that's fine. But please <clears throat> be within the weight capacity of a stormtrooper. If you're going to be a Leia, please be within the weight limitations and height and and. Wait, you know, that cuts me out. No, or at least a woman. Oh, or at least be a woman. Yeah, let's 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 even keep it more basic than that. There really is. There are <clears throat> some troopers and some costumers that. Their love for their character sometimes blinds them to the fact that they may shed a slightly negative image of of this person by by doing what they do, and and that's okay because it's no one I can it's not my job to say you don't look good. If you feel right doing it, then you do it. But the organization that I'm primarily familiar with is the 501st, and yes, it is. A, we do stress that it has to be movie accurate. You have to look like the character you are playing. We can't have everyone be a Django Fett or a Boba Fett or a Darth Vader. You really only need one at one place, and that's why the Stormtrooper or an officer uniform is always so secondary popular for everyone because there can be a hundred of you. And the more you the, more, the better you look, the more your organization looks better. Um, but yeah, if you're going to costume... Make sure you get the right costume that, that, that fits your personality and your and your personal image. And so uh, you're saying, yes, <coughs> do what you want to do, do what you love, but make it suit you and your body type. It's exactly your right. pet peeve. <coughs> and don't and don't be upset if if the organization you try to get into may not fit because there is a different leveling of costuming. There is, and you know we've been called it before, and I'm not. It's not. I'm just repeating what other people have said. Is the 501st elitist? In a sense, <clears throat> yes, 
you do have to have a movie accurate costume. Yeah, you can't get in on the uh, <clears throat> hey, I bought this at the Halloween shop yeah. Django Fett costume. You can't that looks velcroed. That, no rubber bands. Yeah. No. Right, and it's not even that's not a, a personal. That's actually <clears throat> written in our <clears throat> charter that way. And you know what? If you want to be a Jedi, then that's fantastic. Can you join the 501st as your primary costume being a Jedi? No. But you can join the Rebel Legion. Yes, you can, which is our sister organization, and that is fantastic. And now you'll see that because the the Star Wars universe has changed so drastically in the last couple of years, is there such a thing as a dark Jedi? You better believe it. Oh, hell yeah. Is, if we allow Anakin to be a member of the 501st and a clone trooper? Yeah, how is it? That's what I don't get. How is a clone trooper? We voted, and, and the vote was was not unanimous, but... Is it because they're in armor? Or because they eventually become stormtroopers? Which is why we allow Anakin to be a member of the 501st as Anakin, not Darth Vader. Because he eventually... Becomes, and just like a clone trooper, eventually becomes a stormtrooper. So then why can't somebody dressed up as evil Luke... Dark Side Luke be a member of the Federal They can, Force. and we have opened up the doors to membership to EU, which is Expanded Universe, which is why we have a clone emperor, and you saw him at Saw him! Great costume! Thank you. Kick-ass costume! Yeah. Saw the pictures. The other thing that we've allowed, and, and some of you have seen her, um, sometimes she comes painted in blue, sometimes she doesn't. Grand, Grand Admirals, you know, things yep. like that. We, that was never accepted. And now you'll also saw some Mara Jades, who we all know. We all know her as a good person. I mean, occasionally you can read a comic book as her being the Emperor's hand, which was she truly evil? Which is how originally, before we allowed EU to be accepted into the 501st, was you got Mara Jade in as being an Emperor's hand, not Mara Jade that you read about later on being Luke Skywalker's wife. No, no, much more the Emperor's hand, still Empire time. Because you got to remember, when you're a member of the 501st, we're not 501st. Ewoks beating us up. 501st. We're, we're still Prime Vader's fist, Empire Strikes Back Star Wars, okay? So, you know, because, because you'll hear the line, you know, when Dan first talking to Luke, he's talking about, I have a legion of my finest waiting. And you know he's talking about? He's talking about us! And we get de- we just devastated by a bunch of furry teddy bears. And, you know, that's not right. You know, that's not right. But then, you know, then we have people who come back and save us, you know, like Timothy Zahn, who writes a book and says, no, no, no. This is what the 501st really is. And it details what we are. So then you know it's saving grace for being beat up by a bunch of teddy bears. So. Well, it wasn't the 501st. <laughs> this is the second stringers. That was like the 500th. Yeah, and then we were the 501st. We're like the new guys, you know, that came after that. You know, we really did get beat by them. But do you guys still have the A-team-like accuracy when shooting things? You know, um... If you were the proud, the inaccurate. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, if you were going to go for that, yeah, that would be uh, a, a general... We do shoot a lot, you know, we... But you know, he's a double expert, so... Really? That is true. Me well, too, me too. Well, then... I need uh, armor. Th- that would be... That would be we, I need, we, we need some armor. Which, oh, and that brings up another great thing. When that first got brought to us two years ago, shot down faster than you can believe it. Now, what's that? Fem armor? Never. Fem never armor. will you come to a convention. You will never be known to be a member of the Five. You've seen Fem armor, right, Rich? Yeah, I also saw the pictures of the guy with the Fem armor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was kind of <laughs> creepy. Wait, uh, with the girl's body? You talking about Giant Cup? Yeah, that was that was Mark. Um, and he has his a sister, tight little tummy. And his sister was the one that was wearing it that day before. And I said, boy, if your if your brother wasn't confused, he is now, okay? Because um, everyone believed it was a as long as he had that. We well, had a woman's body. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, he's got that androgynistic type. Of, you know, <laughs> and that kind of goes back to what you were saying about yeah. making sure that it fits your personality, body type. Absolutely. It's so what, <laughs> shot down two years ago. <laughs> it was the 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 whole family member thing. The whole 
doing anything that wasn't canon, it, it shows the progression of the organization I'm a member of. Yes. To where it was, no, 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 this is, no, we will not allow it. To, okay. The hey for something like Dragon Con, it's okay for something, hey, even a celebration for fun. What it's not okay for, is I would never, if I had a set of fan armor, I would not be showing up at your little event next weekend. That's why I'm wearing and one, old school lab. And, and that's very good. And one of the one things that is very specified in our charter is the person that sets up the event is the person that sets whether it's a canon or an informal event. If it's an informal event, whatever you feel like. But when you're doing something like this where we had to get LucasArts permission, a letter of permission had to be given to Toys R Us for us to come out there. It is a fundraising event. It is then called a canon formal event, which means you come, you're not in the back of the building smoking a cigarette where kids can see you. You don't have beer on your breath. You don't use vulgarities around children or anyone else for that matter. When you come to a canon event, you are, yes sir, no sir, you know, it's, it's uh, roger that sir, I got you. You're playing a character from a movie and you're doing it to the best of your ability and that's the definition of canon. Your costume looks great, you sound, and people will believe that you just stepped out of that movie. Informal, Dragon Con all the way. Oh, Dragon yeah. Con is nothing but an informal. Let, let's see what the sleaziest costume you can come up with. And oh, still, the Pip Troopers? Yeah. They were great. And be still considered Star Wars. Yeah, that's the true definition of it. Oh, the, the Monty Python Troopers cracked me Those up. very good. I did enjoy the that. Tutu yeah. troopers, I oh, thought, the Tutu Troopers. Oh, the Tutu Troopers. I got some good pictures of Prancer and Dancer. I, I enjoy the Elvis Trooper guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Come out and do their Austin thing. Trooper. Austin Trooper. I enjoy those guys. Oh. And there's a, there's a time and place for all that. But when we do a Make-A-Wish Foundation or a hospice or we're doing a, a charity event or we're doing a hospital visit, no, that's not the time for those guys to come with us. You right. know? It sounds like the 501st has really grown up. It's really gotten, I mean, it, it's a classy organization now. It's not just a ragtag group of guys that happen to have a bunch of plastic that well, they put on. And, I, and I'm not going to I'm not gonna exaggerate this, guys, but I've, only, I've become the, the, the recruiter, the membership liaison officer in the last month. And um, I, I've been a member of the organization when there was only 500 of us. And, you know, and Alvin will tell you when there was only three of them, okay? And, he tell, and if Guy, you listen to yeah. the interview, he tells the story of when he was yeah. first putting the group together yeah. and first met yeah. C-3PO. <laughs> and then when he later met Mr. Anthony Daniels again, what, like 2,500 members later? Yeah, and that's exactly <laughs> the point I was going to make. Every day, I kid you not. On my email, I'm a member of the board of the whole world, so I hear, I see everyone's memberships that come through. On average, per day, 15 to 20 new members a day worldwide. Okay, so guys, you know, you have to open it up. You can't be that, no, your Stormtrooper armor has to look just like this. It has to be put together exactly from here, and you have to buy from here, because you have to be accepted. Well, Sue, if Ron's had to be movie accurate, then there'd be no way, because I tell you what, we just took a Dremel to it today so that he could sit down. Well, and you know what? Once no upon one a time, sees. yeah. Once upon a time, you're absolutely right. Well, you would have been like, this guy. What's he doing? What are you, you trying to be? You know. Now it's more like, hey, thanks for showing up. Thank you. That and and that's that no one changed. cares that he cut a little yeah. bit more or, out oh, so that minute. he can yeah. actually bend his <clears throat> leg. Yeah, your ear. Yeah, there's not supposed to be four black stripes. There's supposed to be two. I'm sorry. You could have to go. Yeah. Now, those days are long gone. The, the elitism <laughs> of the of the whole, no, no, that can't be. Because that's, that's what first turned me off to the 501st. I was like, hell no. And you'll notice that's why 500, 800 members. And then we went, well, let's be a little bit more understanding. 15, 2,000, 25, 3,000 members, 23 different countries. We just started a whole new garrison, the Spanish garrison. <laughs> nice. This, in Spain, enough people, 15, to become a garrison. Enough people had armor. 
or a Star Wars recognized expanded universe or whatnot costume to be a member. Do we have enough people in Eastern North Carolina to have our own Eastern North Carolina <laughs> garrison? Um, you need 10 for a squad, 5 for a detachment, 15 for a garrison. And your detachment can be anything you want. We are in Isavex of something uh, that will make us absolutely unique throughout the world. Yeah. Till yeah. recently, if you have, did you have, how long have you known him? Album and, I mean, I, mean, I met him at Dragon Con. This one or before? This one. Oh, guys, you have no idea. I remember Album when it was, you could just see it in his face. You know, you're like, he, he loved it, but it was more of a, I gotta lead the Legion, you know, and you could just see it on him. And then, since he's been, you know, Tim Knapp took over as, as our CO, and now Alvin's acting XO, he just smiles a lot more. He has a lot more time, you know. He's just oh, great. Yeah. I think the fiance might have something to do with yeah, that I think too. So too, I think you know, yeah. a lot of a lot of stress in his life is gone, and I think he's 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 getting revigorated. You know, he's just excited about being a member again and, and going out and doing things. And it was great to see him like that because I I've known Alvin since when I first joined, and you know, I was just first time I'm starstruck, you know, I was like, God, this guy founded an organization I'm a member of, you know, and he's like right there, you know, he's South Carolina, he's part of my garrison, you know, which is why we always strove to be so much higher at a standard than everybody else and all the other garrisons, and uh, I just noticed that this, you know, he was real big about it, you know, just, just much calmer, much happier with the way things were going in life in general. Good, good. But yeah, definitely, costuming, very fun, lots of different ways to do it, um, some of you guys are already members of Fan Force. And then you've got Rebel Legion, and you've got, you know, the 501st, which is the the apex, the pinnacle of of all of the of the Star Wars costuming. That is the 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 they they are the guys that are invited to do things for Lucas Arts. You know that they actually yeah. That is unfortunate. The Rebel <laughs> Legion doesn't have that rep yet because, unfortunately, I have seen you have the guys in the, for example, at Dragon Con. I got accosted, and so did my foster son by the Rebel Legion to join the Rebel Legion because they loved our Jedi costumes. Because Oh my gosh, they look so good. You put so much time and effort into them. You did it. Yeah, I'm not wearing a bathrobe. <laughs> you know? And that's unfortunately what you see sometimes. Because they don't have the, mm, let's be movie accurate. Because a Jedi, let's face it. Well, how do you know a Jedi wouldn't dress like this? You know? Hey, how do we know a Jedi wouldn't just wear a t-shirt and jeans with a lightsaber hooked to his belt? I mean, from, I don't know. From what I've seen, that's mainly this, this local area. Um, I've seen uh, pictures from other cons where you've got some Rebel Legion guys that really have it together. And I think oftentimes that's because of the absence of a 501st group. That it seems like, almost like they're trying to establish a costuming uh, group there. Whereas the 501st should be elitist. Right. They, you, if you have any saying... kind of chain, you always have the best of the best. Those are the ones that you you want to be like because they have the best stuff. I think the Rebel Legion should be elitist too, though, because you see some good X-Wing pilot costumes, right. some good Leia's, some good Hans. Yeah. I saw some amazing... I saw a Chewbacca yeah. at yeah. Dragon Con. Yeah. The Chewbacca was yeah. amazing. Yeah, he, was cool. yeah. he was very good. And very so good. what I'm and saying tall. is yeah. the Rebel very Legion tall. should be elitist, but unfortunately, because you have so many simple rebel costumes that people can just, especially with the new episodes coming out, that yeah. people can just kind of skate with. You almost have a dumping ground for, ooh, I want to be a member of this costuming group. What can I whip together in five seconds? And I will agree with you 100%. One of the problems I've had with the 501st in the past, and, and one of the ways that they've stopped me, I think, you know, and this is just my opinion, um, of how of, of all my, my problems and letters I've sent to Jane, is that um, <clears throat> in a, sometimes in a, in... I guess in a zeal to grow or, or to get your name out or to get your organization larger, 
you will lower the standard. You okay. should not lower and, and, the standard. And you will allow things to come and be a part of your organization that really shouldn't be, at least not not the way that you actually have it worded in your own charter of how you're organized. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the problems with the Rebel Legion is they're not seeing the significant growth that they'd like, and what they do is they will not dictate a minimum standard. Because if you've been to it and read their website, it's kind of like, just send us a picture and uh, show up, and you're in, you know? Nice. And that's cool for a, a loosely organized Float, come as you want, but if you're going to really do it on a national and international level like the 501st has, then yeah, you do need to write a charter articles. You need to have rules and regulations, minimum and set standards, and have the standards maintained. Now, by just one person, by, by a, an organization chain of people who will, a standard bearers. And obviously the 501st lends itself nicely to an organizational chain because it is militaristic. Which we joke and we tease, yes. but, <laughs> but and, and I think that's one of the one of the reasons why you will find that that, that is. But having trooped in Europe with the 501st, and it's no longer. If, if anyone hasn't seen any of the work done by Jay Jay Thompson, has anyone seen been to the website, Heart of an Empire? Familiar. I'm wow. Familiar with, but the guy's making a documentary <laughs> on the 501st. Oh, great! Oh, that's yeah. right. Alvin told me about that. Oh, it's fantastic. Anyway, he went over there. So I, all the secrets I'm about to explain are no longer secrets. There is no rebel legion in Europe. So everybody is a member of the 501st. The Jedi, kind of Star Wars-y, you're in. You're 501st. <laughs> no yeah. way. <laughs> and, every, and it's cool. And it's, what it, look, I don't know what you are, but you, you could be in a Lucas movie. Yeah. That's you're, a good costume. And e. How are the duck? Yeah. You're in. You're in. <laughs> you know, e. That's okay. a kick-ass Indiana Jones. You're in. Come you're on, wearing, you're, wearing, you're wearing a white stocking bodysuit with, with a white hood that goes over the top. You're in. You kind of look THX. like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they have this organization, and there's just so much more fun. You're a blue screen. Somebody should go with a blue screen. Somebody should go with a blue screen guy with the dots all over him. I'm an unrendered character. I'm an unrendered character. You'll see, awesome. the, you'll see me in the next movie. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. Oh gosh. That that would be I've great. I've uh, signed a non-disclosure contract. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I can't talk about I'd who like I am. I'd like to tell you, but, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I ran into all these guys, and they were just so excited, and and they were more starstruck with me from being an American 501st that they just wanted to show everything off. Oh, look what I have! Look what we've made! Look what we've done! And I was just in. These guys had built a life-size snow speeder. Jeez. You know. Had built a 50 foot tall at at. Had wow. made all these things and were like, what do you think? I know you've probably got better stuff than this. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, no, I've never seen anything like this. Look at this. What is this? I go, it's a thermal. This is before the master replicas made the thermal detonator. These guys had made thermal detonators with the beep, 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 beep. And what do you think? I know it's not very good. What are you talking about? It's great. They were just so humble, you know. What they're like? I'm sure you've seen. Oh, I know your Alvin's in your garrison, right? I was like, they're like, I was like, yeah. They're like, oh wow. I bet, I bet you guys have like real X-wing fighters at your place, right? <laughs> real fighters. I flew it over. I was like, dude, yeah, yeah no you've been to a website, huh? Yeah. But no, they were just so. And then you know, to see Jedi's trooping with me, I never trooped with a Jedi before. We. You know, have that kind of don't hang out with us, we won't hang out with you kind of unwritten thing. You know, when you see a bunch of stormtroopers and Jedis, we're either putting you under arrest or, you know, you're... <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. really funny. When yeah. I was running around in my Jedi costume and I ran into the stormtroopers... And, and what did they do right away? And, or, put you under arrest. Well, they'd be like, 
Well, Can we put your head behind your head and get well, you on your knees? Yeah, that's part, of, part of what yeah. I did is um, at DragonCon, I was running around asking people in Star Wars costumes or Star Wars shirts um, random Star Wars trivia questions to give them T-shirts for the radio show. Right. But I was doing this in my Jedi outfit because I was trying to be Star Wars related. Well, anytime I'd go up to someone in the 501st, they'd be like, you can't order me around. I'm like, oh, just shut up. Do you want a free shirt or not? And they'd instantly, oh. Yeah, free shirt? What's okay. going on? Yeah. So, you know? Wow, so that's how you bribe yeah. an Imperial officer. Yeah. Offer him that, a free yeah. shirt. But, <laughs> it's, but initially, I was really surprised because everybody stayed in character. Yeah. Everybody was like, well, you Jedi! I'm like, oh, shut up. Just answer <laughs> the question. <laughs> but having, having trooped in Europe and then coming back, I, that was my big, my big problem was we, we shouldn't be so straight. We shouldn't have. You, shouldn't, you should be able to be a Jedi and a stormtrooper. You should be able to do anything you want within the Star and still be able to hang out with us and not have any problems. And that was my main gripe. Well, I love, I don't have a 501st costume, and I would definitely have to say that the 501st has, I don't know whether officially or unofficially adopted Requiem of the Outcast, but y'all let us hang out everywhere yeah. you yeah, guys we show are. All you the don't parties. care. We're invited we go to all the, party, the parties yeah. whether we're invited or not, and no one seems to care. And, and I think... Had you had you met us a couple of years ago, I don't I don't know if I can say, I can't say for sure I can't say that it would have happened or not. And you know, had and honestly, I had a really bad taste in my mouth with the five hundred first, and it wasn't until we went to several of these parties that we said, well, you know. And Ron said, Ron, who, when everybody kept trying to get me to join the five hundred first initially, I said, no, 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 and I finally got people off my case saying, the day my husband joins, I'll join, because I knew. He would never, never get armor, yeah. and he would never join. That was your failsafe, right? So yeah, that was we it. go. Yeah. That was my fallback. Was we get back from Stellarcon, and Ron goes, "You know, Janine, I, I think I think your suit of stormtrooper armor would be pretty cool." And I was like, "Yeah, what? You're like, Crap! Crap! <laughs> Dang! Oh, my application tomorrow. Thanks." But tomorrow. honestly, yeah. it was because y'all let us hang out with you. It was weird. We got you invited us to your parties. Yeah. You treated us so nice, and we were like. Well, maybe these guys aren't the jackasses and, we've been led to believe. And we had had a bad experience uh, with 501st and FanForce uh, relations. Thanks oh, to one, yes. Thanks to one jackass who ruined it, almost ruined it for us. But you want to know what? The bridge has been completely rebuilt by hanging out with you guys, by finding the truth. And, I mean, I even had to sit down with uh, Sean Dudley. And we, we ironed it out. We, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think you've heard of him. Yeah. Um, where, where yeah, I, some, I took our fan force and, guy, and I yeah. sat down as representative from our fan force with him as the 501st at a let's hear, at a <laughs> at a bar after IQM2. I was like, hey, we seem to have a problem. It happened before I was there. There's no problem. Okay. Problem was over. Everything was done. And so it's, it seems like the 501st has gotten to be so much cooler, and so is Fan Force, and everybody's just realizing, hey, we're all a bunch we're of We're all Star nerds Wars together! We're, we're all a bunch of fans. Yeah, I was What's about to say, problem? if you can really use cool yeah. in, our, in our community, but that's yeah. okay. <laughs> we, we, we all uh, kindred spirits, definitely. We're all uber geeks. Oh, and, this right. is, and speaking of that, this is my tip for our listeners, non-costuming. I, uh, being a Marine officer at my job, uh, tend to be the really only big outwardly Star Wars fan, and people tend to razz me about it, and, uh, <laughs> what do you do when somebody goes, so oh, I hear you're a Star Wars fan. Yep. Hey, I got some Stormtrooper armor at home, and this weekend I was at Dragon Con, and I dressed up like a Jedi, and I also dressed up like Arwen from Lord of the Rings, and I bought my husband an Aragorn sword, and he got me um, Galadriel's ring, and you just keep talking about it and get real excited, and they're sorry they asked, and they, they, they don't bug you about it. Beat him to the punch. Yep. Thanks, Dave, for that marvelous interview. Sure. You're welcome. Thank you. And any last, uh, any... 
final rounds. Well, actually, what is the uh, what is your garrison website? Carolina501st.com. Um, and we just got that website open back up. So if you were thinking it was 501stCarolina.com, you're wrong. It's Carolina501st.com. Thanks, and now we're going to move on to the next interview with Sherilyn Lambeth, who we have made several references to, and she will yeah, tell Sherry. who she is. And also, Derek, wait, I'm not supposed to remember his name, um, Susan Lucci Pirate. Derek Neiman. Gee, and why is he called Susan, Neiman? Susan Lucci? He right. is called the Susan Lucci because I have beat him in costume contests two times in a row now. And I will say one thing, that your cont- uh, your costumes have been fantastic. And my Jedi costume should not have beat his pirate costume. But you know what, Derek, yes you beat Derek, but Derek's costume beats everybody else's that are at those cons. Yep. He he has one of the best pirate costumes I've seen. Like so unique and original. You yes, have he does. A, you are busting at the seams here, Derek. And on a side note, Derek's old Imperial officer's uniform is now my wife's. You see how that goes big circle. Yeah, it's, you see how yeah, this all works? This is insane. Well, what, where's his Imperial? Does he have a new one? He has a black Imperial officer's yeah, uniform. Yeah, he does. Now. But the OD green, which he got from, we will not disclose who made that one, um, is now my wife's. That's funny. That's cool. Yes. Um, Derek, who is a very good customer, yeah. he is he is he and Sherilyn, I interviewed the two of them together. Yeah. And we call him Susan Lucci Pirate because we because, both entered yeah. our first two costume contests. The first one at StellarCon was both of our first one and I won with my Hippie Jedi. <laughs> Which, and, and, and he should have won. He should have won. The only reason I won is because I went up on the catwalk and struck some cute poses and it's all about delivery. And, and, um, oh, yeah. and a good wig. And, and then let's see what else. And then at Con Carolinas, my mom and I went out in my... She was wearing my Legolas costume. I was wearing my coronation gown, Arwen. And the two of us pretty much creamed everyone. Except for the chick with the surfboard. Yeah, the boogie board chick. The boogie board chick. She had a Sith symbol, a boogie board on her helmet or on her her head. head, And she beat Derek. Makes no sense. I don't get that. I don't get that at all. Anyway, it's a great interview. They've got some great tips for you. This is Janine Garner, and obviously this is Requiem of the Outcast, or you wouldn't be listening. Um, If you are, uh, good luck. You don't know what you're in for. Anyway, this is our costuming episode. Yay! And I have with me Derek Michael Neiman and Sherilyn, I don't know if you have a middle name, Lambeth? Liesel. Liesel. (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, first of all, let's go ahead and have everybody introduce themselves. We'll go ahead and have Derek go ahead and introduce yourself, how long you've been into costuming, and what got you into it, just real quick. Uh, My name's Derek Neiman. I've been costuming... Uh, honestly, since I was about five years old, my father made my first Star Wars costume. He took the old Darth Vader action figure carry case, cut it in half, put eye holes in it, put me in a cheap black quilted <laughs> snowmobile outfit, cape, little laser tag chest box. You know, those are the best costumes. Yes. They are. And I ended up beating adults in a costume contest and won first prize. Well, you should have. That is, that, you know, if I saw a, a Darth Vader like that at a con, I would be all over that. I really would. Uh, I got involved with the 501st about two years ago for Celebration 2, and, you know, these people are just so much fun, I decided to stick around. <laughs> well, they're lucky to have you here, Blast. And ever since then, I got involved with Stargate, Pirates, and 
is never going to end. You know, he who dies with the most costumes wins, right? Yes. Same goes for fabric and beads. Yep. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Sherilyn. Um, yes, I'm Sherilyn Lambert, and I've been costuming, well, since I was little, too. I used to love to play dress-up, and my mom would always make things for me, but... Uh, when it got to the point where all the other little girls were being witches for Halloween, I wanted to be Zora. She said, that's it, that's enough, you can make it yourself. So she got the sewing machine set up for me and taught me how to sew, and I've been, I've been sewing ever since. Um, so it's been fun, and I've got into it professionally. I, I do a lot of freelance work and have worked for some really great companies and enjoy doing my own sewing, too. All right. Well, um, do either of you have any specialities that you like to do? Like, for example... Um, one of the things that I learned real quick in costuming is it's not just about sewing a costume. It's the whole picture. You can't just focus on the dress or the top and bottoms. You need to focus. You need to worry about the shoes, the hat, the little little bits and extras. Um, what kind of focus, how much time do you guys put into your extras and, and things like that? I don't want to pick that up. I'd run with it. <laughs> Because I'm a sucker for detail, I always have and always will be, I will spend hours looking at just two earrings to put on the lapel of my pirate go going, okay, that one has... Ah, uh, screw it, I'll take them both. <laughs> and it's just, when I was thinking about boots for the pirate costume, I go, well, everybody has the big bucket boots, and why not go with something different and just have regular straight knee-high boots. Which also do well for a million other costumes. Other yes. They're so exactly. usable. Yes, well, these boots are for my officer uniform for the 501st. And I go, okay, I could spend another $200 on a pair of boots to only wear for another costume, or I could just use the costume I already have and use those boots. Make my stuff feel better for spending $280 on a pair of boots. <laughs> All right. So for you, details are extremely important. Yes, I mean, because... Anyway. And I can tell that by it. You're yeah. wearing your pirate costume right now, and I can yeah. I can tell that just looking at it, the amount of just attention I mean, to detail you place. I mean, anybody can run out to a Renaissance fair, buy a lace-up shirt, buy baggy pants, buy a tricorner hat, and say, hey, I'm a pirate. But, I mean, what really makes a pirate is, you know, the rings that you wear, the necklaces, you know, the favors from the royal court, you know, just... The belly dancer belts. Yes, the belly dancer belts. Which is very <laughs> nice and shiny. I like shiny. Yes, yes. shiny. All right. Yeah, I, I would say for me, too, the details are important. I do, uh, professionally, I work as a costume craftsperson. I um, used to work for Paramount oh, and wow. did a lot of the little fiddly bits, the jewelry and stuff that went on the Klingon costumes and the Romulan costumes. Wow. Um, Star Trek experience. And I've, I've been there. <laughs> the Hilton in Las you Vegas. Have, exactly. you have, she hasn't. I, I worked on it. I still haven't seen it. I know. Oh, well, I'm from, I, I'm from Advantage. I'm from St. George, Utah. It's an hour oh, and a half from Vegas. So you're, so you're closer to Oh, it. yeah. We go all the time. I still haven't seen it. But oh, um, amazing. Like Derek, all the little tiny details and, and um, accessories are what I really like to work with. I, I also belong to the 501st and have my trooper armor. And, you know, you try to get that little piece just right. So that blends into the costume, but um, as he was saying, the right boots, the right jewelry, you know, the right scarf, the right hat can really add a lot to your overall costume. Yeah, I heard um, yesterday during Iron Seamstress, which she won, by the way, <laughs> only because the room was packed with troopers, but no, I'm just kidding. Your costume was marvelous. Thank you. Um, I, I heard you mention yesterday that, you know, 
I, something along the lines of nothing bothers you more than you know seeing something somebody in a ring wraith costume with white tennis it's shoes. It's true, yeah. perfect costume, and then white tennis and then white shoes. tennis shoes because you know you you hear that your costume or actually any kind of project is only as good as its weakest part, its weakest point. And I've seen some really amazing costumes with with uh, tennis shoes, and it just ruins the whole effect. Yeah, that's why, like, for example, last night when we did the competition, I was like, okay, I can wear my Birkenstocks, no one's really going to see them, but she goes barefoot. Arwen goes barefoot throughout the movie right. half the time, so I'll just go barefoot. And, and it worked really well. So, All right, well, let's see. On to our next question. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about, unless it's a secret, any <laughs> projects you may have brewing, um, unless you plan on, on one that you, you've got going right now, or... Uh, or one that you would like to do eventually someday, but you don't currently have the time, or, or something along those lines. Uh, one I would love to do. And if you had all the money in the world. <laughs> Let's put it that way. If you had had no budget. The, if I had all the money in the world, no budget, I would love to do a really good Sar- Sauron from Lord oh, of the Rings. I, yeah. want, I want to do that armor so bad. Oh, wow. I've only I mean, seen one of those. I mean, the, the one at Giant Con last year yeah, was good. Was it was good, but you could tell... You know, it, I forget what he used, but you can tell it was budget armor. I would love—I mean, I would love to get out there with just a forged anvil and hammer, got <laughs> out that armor. I mean, wow. I mean, the one project that took me a lot of time with the forged hammer and anvil was my Lord of the Rings ring, which I made in metal shop. You made that oh, yes. word. Holy. Going, going there, just oh, belting, just amazing. belting out the band. Then having to go look at my, break out my Tolkien book, look at the Elvish alphabet, and, you know, just go in there and just hand describing that. I mean, I went through good 20 bands just because I would, I misspelled ring in Elvish. <laughs> oh, That's my gosh. Amazing. So for you, it would be a good Sauron. Yes. Wow. All right. What about you for you, Sherilyn? Unlimited assets. Oh, unlimited assets. Um, Budget, assets, whatever. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's hard to say. I've. I have a, many projects always in the works constantly. I know that feeling. What costume, what true costume we're exactly. done? They've always got this backlist of, oh, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. Yeah, exactly, and I'm like that too. And um, I'm always revamping costumes that I do have. I guess one thing I've been wanting to do for a while is one of my existing costumes is a ring ray from Lord of the Rings, and I have a horse puppet that goes with it. It's kind of a, um, an effect where I'm on stilts, I'm tall, right. and I have fake legs hanging off the side. Well, I want to redo that puppet so that the horse is more animated, uh, make the head and neck move. Um, like uh, a la original Star it, Wars trilogy with servos. Exactly. Well, I don't even know if I could get into servos, but just some, some um, mechanisms to make you know, make it move a little more, make it breathe steam, oh make the eyes light up red. Um, that's a, an effect I would love to do if wow. I had the money for it. I get with the revamping of costumes. As soon as I get home, I already got plans for stuff to do with the, the pirate costume, to, so I can finally break my curse of the costume contest. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, the Susan Lucia costume contest. Yes. Uh, please don't hate me. <laughs> no, and unfortunately, Derek and I have uh, my first uh, contest ever was at StellarCon, and uh, my second one was this one, and and. Uh, this one, I think that, that he and I were pretty equally matched as far as detail and amount of work we put into the, the costumes. But uh, at StellarCon, I do think he was robbed, and I don't think I should have won. Um, unfortunately, I don't think the judges knew that, that his was handmade as well and that he didn't just run out to the store and buy it. Otherwise, I think it may have swayed their decision. 
Very, yeah, very likely. That's a hard thing to see, too, when you're up on stage with your costume. Right. And they also didn't look yeah, closely. They, and they didn't say, hey, hey, come here, come here, we'll see that. And, and ask questions about yeah. right. And at StellarCon, I, I was just a ham. So I just got up on stage and was a silly girl. <laughs> uh, this is my costume. I, I was like, it was just a simple Jedi costume. It wasn't much to it. It had a cool lightsaber. That was about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I just got up there and just started strutting my stuff like I was on a catwalk, but just overly animated it. So it was really ridiculously funny. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think this is the only reason. Like, and uh, going back to the details, just some not about details about the costume, but just the way you carry yourself. I mean... Yes, do you embody the costume? Yeah, or are you just I mean, a guy wearing a pirate outfit? I mean, or Oh my gosh, it's a pirate! You have to get up there. You've got to stretch yourself. You have to have your hand on your pistol, your hand on your sword. And, you know, I mean, anybody can just get up there. Yeah, I'm in a pirate costume. But it, you have to actually get in there, get into character. I mean, you know, I will sit there the night before a convention. And I'll watch Pirates of the Caribbean five times over. Or if I'm doing a Star Wars convention, I'll watch Return of the Jedi just to get that pissed off military. Like, Damn those Ewoks. <laughs> See, that is that is something that, like, uh, for example, with you, Charlene, I've taken many pictures of you in your different costumes. And, um, I'm not, you know, looking at the broad spectrum of pictures, I've got a great one of you as a Leia um, <laughs> where you're just, you know, smiling and just very happy. And then I've got another one of you as a Leia where you're in your cups surrounded by oh, stormtroopers yeah. and you've got this, oh, I've been captured look. Yeah. I mean, even for pictures, you're, you're posing appropriately. I've got one of you in uh, your Empire of the Hand uniform oh. where you're all, you know, being regal and oh, I'm an officer, you know. You just, you're always slipping into the role of your costume, and that's very important because then it makes it more. It's all how you carry yourself. Well, it's true, and I think uh, the costume helps too. Um, many times in, in acting and in theater, you know, the, the costume really helps the performer get into their role. And I think that's true with us costumers as well. You know, when you get into a costume, when you're in your Jedi costume, don't you feel more like. Well, um, I'm. I'm uh, honestly, I have to say that. Because this whole the whole convention thing and the whole costuming thing is, I mean, I've always dressed up, but but starting to make actual replica costumes and things like that is a rather unique thing for me. I've I've found that I've started to need to learn to get into the role. And when I'm in my because before I was always like you know people would come up and compliment my costume and I'd be blown away and just oh giggly and silly. And <laughs> I need to I'm starting to learn to to get into the role of, of what I'm wearing instead of just being this cute little oh thanks <laughs> you know dumb little airhead who's like oh thanks. I've also learned to to learn about my costume. Like yesterday I had my Legolas longbow and people kept coming up and asking me, what's the pull on that? And I'm going, what the hell's a pull? <laughs> what's the poundage on that? I don't know. It oh. seems like it weighs about five pounds. And then, you know, people look at you like you're crazy. And I mean, like, the pull strength. And I'm, I'm learning these things. So. Well, and that's part of the detail. Um, you know, one customer that I know would, would say whenever she was judging a contest, one important thing to her was, you know, what did someone have in their pouch? If they were a hobbit and they had a pouch, did they have, you know, maybe some... Some whey bread in it, some some limbo and, and a ring or whatever. Did they have their ring keys and some or pirate or money? Pirate in money, this case. exactly. Things like that really do help to add to the costume. Well, I'm glad I'm always a girl because I always have like chapstick and stuff. <laughs> <in my eyes. laughs> so, um, well, why don't uh, we move on to those who would like to get into costuming? Um, we'll we'll go ahead and we'll start out with the novice since you just more recently gotten into it. Um, First of all, you don't have to have a machine, no. to, a sewing machine, to get into costuming. I, for a very long time, went to thrift stores, went to thrift yeah. stores, went to thrift stores. You can do a lot 
at thrift stores. And if you can't sew, you can commission people to do things for you, and you can say exactly how you want it. Um, so, but for somebody just getting into costuming who maybe does want to get a machine, um, what would be some recommendations you would give them, starting with the novice and then we'll move on to the uh, professional? <laughs> as an I, you have to have a lot of patience. You're not, you, you are not going to get it right the first time. It's, like, it's not going to look just like the cover of the pattern. No. <laughs> Learn that the uh, hard way. Well, see, I've made mistakes. I don't use patterns. Uh, the pants that I made for the pirate costume, I just took the material, I cut it, I pinned it together. Please, God, let me get this right. <laughs> and they turned out, they, they were great. Um, but that does not always happen. No, it does not always happen. You come out with some horrid uh, stuff sometimes. The, 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 the first coat I had for my pirate costume, all it is is a trench coat. I bought it hot top because it... I cut off two and a half feet off the bottom of it, used the leftover material to sew the cuffs, and I, I was very happy. I had a lot of extra material to make the cuffs with because I went through about three or four different sets of cuffs oh, wow. before I finally got her right and said, okay, this is what, this is what I'm going to do. So for you, patience is the key patience. for the beginner. And, I mean, you gotta, you've got to want to do it. Yep. You if you don't like it, if you, if you don't, if you don't like it, if you're not going to commit to the costume, don't even bother. Because nothing worse than a half-ass costume. Exactly. All right, Charlotte. Uh, I think patience definitely is important, and one thing too to take into consideration for people costuming, especially if you're trying to do a recreation costume, is the movies may have a bigger budget, but a lot of times they put things together the same way, you know. Other you know, novice costumers do, or convention costumers do. Uh, they'll see something that looks good in a thrift store, and they'll use it. Or, you know, many times things are made out of objects you wouldn't think of making costume items out of, like floor matting or you know, salt and pepper shakers, things like that. So, you know, if you're going to start sewing, too, invest in a good machine. You don't need one that needs a whole lot of fancy stitches. No, mine's a $99 white that does a straight stitch exactly. and a zigzag, and I have touches fine. Exactly, and... <laughs> Mine was some twenty nine ninety five one I got a, I seen on TV. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Well, I had an yeah. old Kenmore that, that was my mom's, and it's, oh gosh, about 30 years old, and I love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. And it sews through almost anything, vinyl. And so you don't need the $1,000 machine. No. That has 46 stitches, of which you'll probably only use the Two. zigzag and the exactly. straight. And the ones that you need a master's degree in computer science to operate. You don't necessarily <laughs> yeah. need one of those to get started. Okay. Uh, do you have a website? I do have a website. It's uh, for my photography work, though. It's um, www.photolog.net slash XNVMPR. I'm not even going to try to pronounce what that stands for. And XNVMPR. Okay. Which, I mean, it stands for Xanatos Vampire. There's no vowels. Okay. Um, it's, like I said, it's for my photography work. Um, I do more of the Gothic style vampire. I'll take pictures in graveyards. Currently, I'm doing a run. It's called Vampire uh, Girl of the Night. Um, I don't know. I'll just find girls. Hey, she would look really good as a vampire. I'd say, hey, I'm doing this. Do you mind if I take your picture? No, go ahead. Click, and I have to get it. I have to get in there and update since I've started coming here. I know my fans are all upset. <laughs> uh, I am starting to. I am looking to start a different project here soon. I want to do kind of a modern day interp interpretation of Adam and Eve. So if you're interested in models, being a model for that. And where are you based out of? I'm based out of Charlotte. So if you're in Charlotte and you're listening and you want to 
help me out with my new project, go to the website. It has a link for my email address, and I will definitely take a look at you. some of your work, like somebody who's modeled before. Uh, I'll take a look at your work, and we'll talk. All right. And uh, if any of you have any questions, um, he especially when it comes down to the nitty-gritty little details, even if yes. um, you don't want to hire him, which I'm, I'm sure you will work for hire. I don't know anybody who'll oh. turn money down to do a costume, <laughs> especially if it's done right. I, after I win my first costume contest, then I'll start work for hire. Oh, it will come. It will come. Anyway, um, I'm sure that uh, Derek will be more than happy to help you out and put you in the right direction. So I know that I love it when people email me and, and ask for help, and I, I do it constantly. I just had to ask Charlene yeah. for help this weekend with a costume I'm putting together, and uh, he will be more than happy to give you advice. Absolutely. Charlene. Uh, I do have a website it's right now under construction, but it should be up soon. It's www.galleryquest.net, and it's got uh, some pictures of my professional work and my convention and on the side work as well and I've got a couple of upcoming projects I've got a book coming out oh, wow. in a few months hopefully called The Well-Dressed Puppet and it's basically about making puppet costumes wow but uh, some of those uh, um, might be helpful for big costumes as well okay. and in addition to my costume work I've, I've started to get into acting and I have um, a program on the History Channel coming out that I was in called a docudrama called Isaac Storm it airs on around September 15th and I'll be one of the characters in that. Wow. All right. Well, um, again, Sherilyn, do, do you work for hire at all? Uh, I do most of my, it's, a lot of times it's difficult for me to do work on the side because of my professional commitments. Um, so I, it's a case-by-case case basis? It's a case-by-case case basis. But I'm sure that Sherilyn, again, is more than happy to put, if you have questions or need assistance, she's always been so gracious. <laughs> Thank you, yes. To help. So. I'd love to help out other costumes. And your email address is on the site yes, as well. Yes, uh, you can contact me through my site. All right. And uh, y'all should know about my site now, too. So costumec.com stands for Costume Couture. If you have any questions that uh, I can't answer, I will, I will try to find the answer or put you in contact with somebody who can help you out. And I'd like to thank very much Sherilyn and Derek for coming. And... Uh, have fun at your panels downstairs. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Next interview is, is this the one where I interview myself? Yes, if you'd like to interview yourself. Now okay, um, hey Janine, uh, nice to have you on the episode. So, um, you like to wear costumes and stuff, right? Well, yes, Janine, I do. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I look for any excuse to wear a costume, which is... Uh, Pretty much why I'm nerdy like that. Uh, um, let's see, what, what what has this evolved? I can't interview myself. Somebody inter- somebody asked me questions. Okay, Janine. Let's make it quick, though, because we got far better interviews got- than one with myself. <laughs> this is to explain what, Ridge? Okay. Well, uh, obviously, you've got quite a history in costuming. Um, can you remember the first costume you ever made? The first costume I made? Like, all by my little lonesome self? All by or your with- little lonesome. Okay. Um, I the believe- paper costume. I was going to try to not talk about that Come on, the paper costume. (laughs) All right. Back when I was in, maybe it was kindergarten or pre-kindergarten, but definitely during my elementary school days, my dad was the manager, was uh, the financial planning manager at Knott's Berry Farm. This was back when they had dot matrix printers, you know, the computer paper that was all connected together. He would bring reams of it home. And little then Janine Spenlove um, would take it. And because it was all connected together, and it was, you know, this tall little skinny kid, and uh, it could be cut up and quite easily turned into 
costumes, including complete wedding dresses with veils and hats. And um, let's see, when there was no computer paper, paper towels always worked well, too, because they were connected, although those were more expensive than... Uh, Stealing reams of paper from Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> they, didn't like, didn't, they didn't like it when I used those, but I would dress me and my younger brother Brian up all the time, and we'd run Both around. Both in wedding playing. dresses. No, <laughs> he. I would dress up yeah. as my page boy. So, and I'd make him, and I'd roll him up a piece of paper, and he'd blow a horn when I dressed up as a princess or a queen because I'd have a crown, and all made out of construction paper. And then I moved, I eventually progressed to, um, after I quit ballet, I ripped apart all my ballet costumes and re-sewed them together into hideous garish things when they used to be so pretty. Um, yeah, and then I used to make uh, really slutty clothes for my Barbies, and um, it, it just got better from there. <laughs> What can I say? Well, no, now, um, um, of, of course, you know, with Recommending Outcast being a Star Wars uh, show, um, what kind of Star Wars costumes have you made? Well, um, I actually only started sewing um, costumes by myself this time last year. So what, hap- what had happened was... Uh, I was in a used bookstore. Somebody had put up a thing, hey, you like Star Wars? Email me. We have a little local Jacksonville fan club. So I emailed them. turned out to be Jerry, um, Jedi Knight Jerry. And she said, yes, you can be a member of our group. In fact, in two weeks, there's this convention. And I said, convention? What the freak's a convention? It was called IQM2. And then two days later, some weird dude called me and asked me to go see Pirates of the Caribbean with him. He's like, hey, baby, you want to go see a movie or something? Yeah, that was you, Rich. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we hung out with a couple other people in the Java Hunters, and I joined the Java Hunters. And come to find out, I asked, hey, this convention thing, I have a Jedi costume that I made with my stepmom. She and I made it together. Um, can I, you know, can I wear it to this convention? And they looked at me like I had lobsters coming out of my ears. Like, of course you can wear it. You should wear it. You have a costume? How cool are you? I was like, yeah, I have a Queen Omidala costume, her throne room costume that I, my stepmom and I put together for episode one. I've got a Leia. I made my husband dress up like a Jedi. And, and all of a sudden it was like, you costume, you costume. Oh, can you make costumes? We want, we need some Sith Lord and Jedi costumes. Can you make them? Sure. Oh, yeah, I know how to sew. You were talking out of your ass. I was talking out of my ass. <laughs> Um, because every time my stepmom and I would make costumes, I'd do all the research. I would go buy all the fabric, make sure the fabrics were perfect, exactly what I needed for the costume, so it would be movie accurate or what I wanted for my version of the Jedi. And then I would tell her what she needed to do. I would get the patterns, tell her how to modify them. But I didn't know that all-important thing of putting the pieces together and sewing them on the machine. Um, I had a machine because she bought it for me, and I used it for quilting to sew straight lines to sew my quilt pieces together so that I could quilt them by hand. And I thought, how hard could it be? You follow instructions, you cut the pieces out and put them together. (laughs) Um, I made some Sith robes, which are basically Jedi robes, only black, um, (laughs) for, uh, (laughs) for one of the members of the group, Austin, uh, the most flamboyant member. And uh, those took me two solid days, about eight hours, so about 16 hours total, to make just the outer robe. An outer robe, which I can now knock out in about three hours. Um, You know, and like your royal guard robes took me four. And only because I had to try to remember how I made them. 
anyway, suffice to say, that first experience, I wanted to throw my machine out the window. It was horrible. Sewing sleeves on backwards, hood inside out, cutting pieces wrong, having to go to Walmart, hoping they have some more of that fabric because I'd cut it wrong. It was bad. But, hey, trial by fire, nobody knew until I think I fessed up a few months later. Yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just making this up and, I mean, as you, I go along. You even created the costume that I wore. Yep, uh, I made you the, your the, costume. The, mas- the mascot of the Jawa Hunters was the Jawa Hunter. And you went as the Jawa Hunter. And you made a vest, a uh, satchel. Uh, no idea what I was doing. But you know what? It, but did you know that? Well, no, it came out well. And I think that uh, later on, pieces of those costumes <laughs> went with... Pieces of those costumes actually went uh, to other costumes that you had made uh, for myself. Oh, yeah, with, like uh, the Ren Fair that we were going the to? The Ren Fairs. You've made two kilts for me, um, as well as uh, uh, shirts, you know. Didn't uh, know what I was doing. Ron, you've made uh, a kilt for. Um, like when Kevin asked me to make him his row guard robes? Sure! <laughs> so what are you going to charge me for the work? Oh, you know... I've never made a set of royal guard robes, believe it or not, so I'm not going to charge you because it'll be a learning experience for me. Oh, cool. <laughs> All right. I sure hope these turn out, you know. So, um, Can't wait to see the finished product. <laughs> so, all in all, how many Star Wars costumes have you made, do you think? I have made countless Jedis and Sith because I get asked to do those so much, and they're so easy to do. Um, I have made a few Leias, a few Amidalas, um... Hey, I helped cut Stormtrooper armor today. That doesn't count as making, yeah, that's though. True. That's true. Um, but hey, that's an integral part. Yeah, it is an integral Not part. So much cut is I dremel. have made, I have made several Lord of the Rings costumes now. Two Legolases. That's a tough one, actually. And those are award-winning costumes. Those are well. award-winning costumes. A few Arwens. I'm working on an Aragorn. Um, let's see. I've done. What else have I done? Several Renfair costumes, kilts. Is tartans, Renfair dresses, just all sorts of crazy things. Because for that first, for the first like eight or nine months, it was like I wanted to sew anything I could get my hand on. Anybody who wanted a costume, oh, can I make it for you? Because, and I won't charge you, just buy the fabric. Let me make it for you, please, please, please. Because every time I made a costume, I made a better one. It got better, it got better. That's why yours is so much better than Kevin's. And that is why I said my royal guard robes will be so much better than yours. Because I know where I messed up. And that's the biggest point I want to get out to people. Do not be afraid to cut. Do not, do not, do not be afraid to cut. If you're afraid to cut, you know what you need to do? You need to go to Walmart, buy 99 cent a yard fabric, cut that to hell, sew it, and then once you're certain you can make it, then go ahead and cut your $15 a yard fabric that you're paranoid you're going to jack up. I just wanted to uh, ask you one other question. You do have a costuming website that is still, it's still in the works as well as the concept behind everything. I'd like you just to talk a little bit about that and, of course, uh, say the the name as well as the website itself. Costume Couture is the name of the company, but it's not really a company, really. It's it's more of a network. It's a network. The idea behind Costume Couture is to put people together. I just, hey, email me. Hey, I want to put a Stormtrooper armor together. How do I do that? Well, I'll email them back. You need to contact this dude, and here's the link. And, or, hey, I'm trying to make an Aragorn costume, or I'm trying to make a Legolas costume. How do I do that? Well, go click on my Lord of the Rings link and click on my Legolas costume, and I have written down exactly how I made it so you can make it yourself. Or, hey, I'd really like a Legolas costume. Will you make it for me? 
Well, you know what? If you're willing to pay me out the yang, I will be happy to make it for you. But I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm going to charge you up the wazoo because I don't have a lot of time. And the days of me trying to get my hands on any, every single costume possible to make are over, unfortunately. So now I only take the ones I want to do. But for now, friends. of course, with that, you're also willing to track down some of the other pieces, correct? I will put you, if you, all you need is a force pike. Oh, my gosh, and you don't know where to find one. Well, I know somebody who makes them. He might be willing to make one for you, and I will put you in touch with them. Or, hey, I'm really looking for a Royal Guard helmet. You know anybody who's got it? Hey, I need an Indiana Jones fedora. Where can I find that? And that's my point. If you go to the website, there is, and it will continually be added to, links to other websites, and they talk about what they're doing. Hey, I'm trying to find elf ear tips. I see in your pictures you've got some great ones. Where did you get it? Well, as a matter of fact, I can put you in touch with the people who supply them out of England. Or, hey, at DragonCon, I just met the guys who order from those guys wholesale and sell them here in America, so it takes about a quarter of the time to get them. And they're the best ear tips I've been able to find. Basically, the whole point of Costume C, as, we, as the address is www.costumec.com, the entire point of it is to network people together and to help you put together good, non-crappy, non-cheesy, non-cheap-looking costumes. The whole point is quality and to help you make a good costume. And if you just have a question as to, you know, what the hell am I doing, how do I read this pattern, you know, ask me and I'll help you. And in case you're wondering about the quality of work that comes from there, let's talk. Uh, just quickly mention who who's in leagues with you. Well, Sherilyn Lambeth, who you just heard an interview from, is a part of Costume C, as is Cammy, Cammy Freeman, as is Kevin Hill, even though I haven't put his uh, stuff up there yet. And pretty much, uh, well, I'm not going to say anybody who wants to be part of Costume C. It's kind of a by invitation only type organization to be an actual member but I'm not trying to be it's not a membership thing it's just a hey you do good work I'd love to have you on the site to have people be able to talk to you would you be willing to and everybody I've asked that to has said yes well of course you want to have you want to be able to provide the absolute best exactly. that you can and for, so, for the cheapest for people exactly and so the the point is you know if you're just a novice getting into sewing and you want to be a part of costume C you know, maybe you're not going to be one of the guys who has an actual costume C email address who's one of the counselors and advisors. But, you know, hey, if you've got some sort of tidbits you want to get out there, like you know a really great way to make a lightsaber, and you make great lightsabers, let me know. And you may be one of the guys I start pointing people to to get lightsabers from. That's the whole point of costume C. It's all about networking. Right, and this isn't by commission or anything like that. No. This is merely just, this is the, this, it's uh, direction. You're directing people to go to the right people to get what they need. I'm just trying to help people make their costumes. I don't want to make your costume for you. I want you to make your costume, and I want you to make it well. Because nothing pisses me off more than a poorly made costume. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There was, like, ooh, perfect example. Dragon Con. Kid up there in a beautiful, beautiful Gondorian costume that his mom obviously spent forever making and he was in the masquerade in the costume contest I mean his costume was gorgeous and he's wearing work boots Jeez. I'm just like no no you do not spend that much time and effort on your costume to wear work boots like with Ron's Aragorn costume you know what I had to get him the even star pendant and it was 95 bucks and that's a lot of money but I could have cheesed out and got him the $8 version, that's the uh, costume version, or I can go for the Sterling Silver movie replica. Well, you know what? The whole rest of his costume is movie, 
movie replica or pretty darn close movie inspired, why am I going to cheese out and buy the $8, you know, necklace? So that's the point I'm getting at. If you're going to do a costume, do it right. I'm not saying go out and spend thousands and thousands of dollars. But what I'm saying is if you're going to commit, you need to go all the way. Uh, this next interview is Albin Johnson, the founder of the 501st, and uh, Cami Freeman, uh, one of the original members of the 501st. And I got the two of them together, and it's a great interview. And they also are talking about costuming, some more tips for you. And I know this episode has seemed very 501st-centric, but hey, let's face it, they're probably the best costuming group out there, and they're probably going to give you the best advice. And I would probably, and from what I've seen, most of the guys in the 501st don't just do Star Wars costumes. All right, uh, this is Janine Garner with Requiem of the Outcast, and I've got two wonderful, wonderful guests with me today on our great costuming episode here at Dragon Con, and let me tell you, we have seen some kick-ass costumes, and it's only Friday, <laughs> so why don't you two go ahead and introduce yourselves and let you know, let, you know, let everybody know who you are. Well, hi, I'm Cammie Freeman. I am TV314 with the 501st Stormtrooper Legion. D Vader's Fist, yay! <laughs> And I am here also with Alvin, Alvin Johnson, the founder of the 501st. Alvin Johnson. Hi, I'm what she said. I'm Alvin Johnson. I started this menagerie about six years ago, and uh, we've grown to <clears throat> a club of over 2,500 people in 28 countries, last count. And we're primarily people who costume uh, Star Wars Imperial characters, uh, most uh, likely the, the stormtroopers that you've seen in the movies. And uh, we've grown exponentially over the last six years, especially due to the resurgence of the movies and fandom and that sort of thing. So glad to be here. You guys are welcome to talk about anything you want, any projects you've got going on, just anything. So first of all, um, let me put this question out there. Either one of you can pick it up. Um, obviously, we've got Alvin Johnson here. And actually, I'll ask you a first question. First question on my mind is, what the heck made you do it? What made you say, I want a club where we dress up in Stormtrooper armor? Well, I mean, I'm from the generation where we saw the first Star Wars films for the first time back in 77 as a kid. And I think that was the generation that it impacted the most because you're still there with a very open mind and a very fertile imagination. And it just so happens this generation's finally coming to age now where you have a lot of discretionary income. And people are really interested in finally making, you know, some some of their childhood dreams come true, and nowadays expressionism is a lot more acceptable, and uh, people have the material wealth to to put into these kind of projects. And uh, yeah, oh, yeah. It takes a lot. Oh. Takes a lot of money. Takes yeah. a good bit of, takes a little bit of uh, startup capital. But uh, yeah, about six seven years ago, uh, I think I was actually in '97. Uh, the re-releases were coming out with the special editions, and we started talking, some friends of mine and I were talking about how cool the movies were and what was it you liked the most about it. And, of course, the Stormtroopers were the first thing we as guys brought up because, you know, they were just uh, like the football players of space, and huh. they just looked great in their shiny white plastic. Yeah, but and they couldn't hit, you know, the sidewalk with a bucket of, you know, canned paint. I, I've got a theory of that. I mean, you know, you I, remember I they said it. these blast points are too precise for sand people. They're I, I, I'm, Actually, they're probably really good shots. It's just when you get a hero around, but it just it goes all to hell because they just can't, you know they got to follow the storyline or something. Because, you know, there's that fan film out there that, you know, really the only part I loved on that fan film was the part where the stormtroopers are trying to shoot. Have, do you know what I'm yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah, and yeah. the guy falls over and hits the target and gets made a sniper. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I think the big thing about the stormtroopers is the fact that, and I've said this before and it's been quoted way out of context by newspapers, is that most fans don't have Hollywood good looks. And they want to take part in the saga. They want to take part in the role play of it. And if you can't play a Han, Luke, or Leia, your best bet is to uh, put on a mask. And having talked with a lot of the actors that played mask characters, they kind of agree that that's a a great way to to still express yourself and act. And so back then we were thinking it would be great to have this armor. And it just so happens people people were starting to make it back then. And uh, you know how boys are when they see a toy and they want it, and then they they make it theirs. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it really didn't mean, it didn't start out as any kind of club. Uh, we, we posted pictures of ourselves on the Internet, which back then, you know, the Internet was just picking up. And uh, people started sending pictures saying, well, I, I've got pictures of me in Stormtrooper gear. And it came from all over the country in Canada. And eventually it started taking on a life of its own. We said, well, why don't we make a, a fictional group that if, if the Empire were to have all these different units, we'd be one of them. You know, it'll give you a sense of being in the Star Wars universe. And that was the key, because ever since then, people have been wanting to sign on and, uh, and take part in it. So it's been a lot of fun. So, Cammie, I know that you're one of the original members of the 501st. Yeah. Um, what made you want to do it? Said, hey, I'm a girl, and I want armor. I'm because you, you expect to see the guys, but... Oh, yeah, you know what? I kind of want to know, too. <laughs> well, I, I guess it's peer pressure, because I met Cheryl Lynn Lambeth. Another Who is another interview on this uh, episode. She and I were working together at Paramount, and she said, Hey, I got this friend that is going to start um, pulling his own armor from molds he's made. Um, and, and that's where they take the... Uh, plastic and get it hot and put it on a vacuum form and they mold it. She goes, would you like to do it? And I was like, okay. I don't really know if I knew what I was getting into. You said that could be that fun. That like fun. So, slowly but surely, do I need to hold that? Just talk. I, okay. I, just, I know it's omnidirectional, but they're so echoey. Yeah. I'd rather have it closer to the person. <laughs> so, like, I, didn't, I didn't know if I knew what I was getting into, but... You know, we started buying the little parts and pieces, and this is in 98. And then she said, we came to Dragon Con, and she said, hey, there's this guy, Albin, and he's trying to get everybody together that has armor to join this group he's starting called the 501st. And I'm like, okay. Well, 99 came around, and I was very pregnant, so I couldn't do it then. But by 2000, uh, I had my armor all together and made my first appearance. With it. And by that time, you know, I was a member of the Southern Garrison, which is now broken off into many different factions, and now I'm a member of the Carolina Garrison, and been doing it ever since. Sure. But I've had my helmet since 98. That was the first thing I bought. <laughs> right. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so we've talked about how it got founded and what made Cami want to yeah. do it. Um, what are your guys' opinions on kind of the direction it's been going? I mean, I was just downstairs, and... I saw a girl in what's known as, I guess, fem armor. I yeah. mean, it's basically a thong version of the Stormtrooper uniform well, and yeah. midriff bared. I know it's not canon, and I know... What do you guys think? Because you know that came from Stormtrooper yeah. armor being out there. I know, I know as, a, as a woman, I think a lot of different things about it. On one hand, I go, that's really cool. That's really cool. On the other hand, I go, wait a minute. If she wants to be a trooper, why not be like me and just be a trooper? Well, what if she's got a set of trooper armor and she does that one for fun? That's fine. fine. And, you know, at a, at a convention like this one, Dragon Con, that's 
perfectly acceptable. I think the only time I really have a problem with it at is... smaller conventions? No, not even at smaller conventions. It's when we go and we do things like show up at fan films. Or not um, fan films, but the, the real films. The, the, yeah. Because we have gotten such a following that we can go to large movies... Um, theaters and just say, hey, you know, would you like us to come when the movie opens? And we hang out there and take pictures for Make-A-Wish Foundation. And we've raised a lot of money doing that. And that's what I have a problem with it, is when people show up and they're... And they're... Um, what, cause, the Jedi mind trick, making the way. Because yeah. <laughs> a lot of times um, beha- people's behavior gets a little risque when... When the, the, the girls are around. Yeah, and, and the skimpier it is. I mean, there's some that's not skimpy at all. I mean, it's straight trooper armor. They just have boots on yeah. their breast, on their chest plates. And, but there are some that really go all out and do the thong cut, you know, and all this kind of stuff and wear the high heels. And then it gets a little, but at a convention, hey. Then it's funny. It's funny. Well, so the, what do you think? The, the paradox of the Stormtrooper armor is, though, it's very cool. And the thing we noticed early on is it has no no diminishing returns on the costume. In other words, you can have 10, 20, 30 troopers. The more you have, the better it looks. Yeah. So that was kind of what lent itself to the explosion of membership. But the problem with it is there it's such a monotonous costume. You have people that want to socialize. We're social animals. You have people who want to be individual and express themselves. But now they're in this very monotone costume. So what, what happens is you have these conventions which lend themselves to partying. You have people who want to express themselves. The obvious recourse they're going to take is to customize, customize, customize. The Femme Trooper armor is one in a series of different modifications, or some people call bastardizations of the armor, which are, you know, fully acceptable in my opinion, as long as they're kept in the fun venues, like a convention, and like Cammy was saying, what we call the quote-unquote canon events, things you want to show up and you want to look like you actually walked off the screen, then that's when we kind of frown on it and say, look, we kind of have to restrict what, what you know, is presented. So... Dragon Con, like where we're at here, is just, it's a free-for-all. As long as, say, a child comes through and isn't completely, you know, offended by it, then we, we say, you know, it's in good taste. And well, I don't think the fem armor is going to offend a child. No. There's a, yes. some other things, I think, that would get yeah. the child for the fem armor. Yeah. Compared to some of the costumes you see running around here, that is totally you got to remember that as far as the costuming point of view is concerned, it's finally gotten to a science where you've got these vacuum form tables where... Uh, you know, a score of people now around the country are good at doing these molds, and now they're molding off of each other, and now they're tweaking and refining and going in all kinds of crazy directions. So the world of costuming has just exploded into this myriad of different opportunities. And I, I welcome them all because that's going to keep it fresh, keep them all excited, and keep them in the, in the, in the club. All right. Well, um, say I'm Joe Schmo or Jane Schmo. And I want to join the 501st. What do I need to do? Well, first you got to have armor. You have to have armor? You have to have armor. 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 Well, well you have to have any Imperial costumes in the Star Wars movies. And we actually uh, expanded that recently into a list of acceptable costumes. Because you have a gray you know, area, it's going to be ambiguous, and people are going to get upset over whether or not they're getting in. So what we said was uh, anything that appears in any of the books, you know, the, 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 the actual approved, Lucasfilm approved books or TV series or any of those things, comics, then if you can come up with a professional... Uh, that's the key, that's, professional. Yes, professional, yeah. We frown Nothing on, cheesy. Yeah, we frown on anybody coming in with 
you know... Uh, the trick-or-treat version of the Trick-or-treat, yeah, uh, rubber bands on the back of the masks. And yeah. So, it, it started out only troopers, but I mean, how confining is that? So we finally just said, anyone on the Empire side, to keep it fun. And, and that's true, what is a trooper without his commander walking along in yeah, just the dress yeah. uniform, too? And true, and you know, but by the same token, what if you have 12 Darth Vader's show up? Then what do you do? That's always been a problem. That's the cool costume. I yeah. tell you, if I made one, if I was going to put five grand into a costume, it would be Darth Vader. I don't right. care that I'm a girl. Right. That's right. the one I'd want. I've always, I'm, I'm, I've always been uh, regretful of the fact I'm only 5'8". Here I am, the leader of the 501st. I should be Vader, but I'm never going to be Vader, so that's fine. But, um, yeah, it, that it, once again, you're talking about that dividing line between form and fun. The form would say, would dictate... One Vader. And in cases where we have a canon event, we say bring one Vader, one Fett, any of what we call the character figures. And uh, it, but on the fun side, five Vaders is okay. You know, you're they not. They can all hang out and take pictures. Yeah. 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 So do the Vader dance. Basically, uh, your you, Fets and Vaders and things like that, or you get those after your Stormtrooper armor is. Uh, yeah. Typically. Some people, but some people, that's what they want to yep. do. Like Zippy from the Empire City Garrison, I don't know if he has, I know he has officer uniform, but I think he only has Vader. But my point is he's got a generic costume he can wear if there's a Vader, another Vader. Well, he did that one after the fact, just because the Vader is very uncomfortable. Oh, it gets I imagine hot. it is. Yeah. I imagine yeah, that's it. true. I imagine. But he's a great Vader because he's just so tall. I, had, I mean, like when we were at Celebration 2, we had two Darth Vader's show up for our humongous, you know, 250-plus uh, member uh, shoot. Uh, oh, I saw that photo. picture. That's yeah. the single largest picture we've ever taken with all our members at one place. And I was left with a really uncomfortable decision on what to do. And on one hand, you had, uh, you know, one guy who's been doing it professionally, another guy who's been doing it for charity work. And, and I just made the ruling. I was like, there's no way I'm going to tell one of them to walk. So for group photos, unless it's for a promotional thing that helps us get a gig or helps promote Lucasfilm. And, 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 you know, I take all comers you know, as long as it's not vulgar and out of character with, the, with the, what we're doing. Alright. What has been your guys' most amazing recreation that you've seen? The one you've been most impressed by? Are you talking Actually, about like fan films? I'm or? talking about just costume. You've seen somebody come out and they look like they were, no kidding, in the movie. Like, I know the stormtroopers all do, so we're going to knock that one out because that one's great. But, I mean, have you just seen one that blew your mind away? Well, yeah, I, I'm going to cheat because the one I'm picking first come to mind is a stormtrooper, Dean Overraker from North Carolina knows how to. I mean, these stormtroopers look authentic. But until you've seen one actually be made to look authentic, then you're like, ah, I know it's a detail. Uh, the difference there. So it is a stormtrooper for you. Yeah, because it's an exact, immaculate reproduction of what was on the screen. Okay. What we have is a good approximation. Okay. Now is he just your plain TK, or is he a he's desert a sand, sand trooper? Yeah. Those, yeah. He's a great desert trooper. Yeah. Okay. And they look great. For me, I don't know. I mean, it's been some of these predator and alien costumes and just things Star like Wars, that. Star Wars, not Star Wars. I was are talking awesome. Star Wars. We'll do non-Star Wars. Oh, well, Star Wars. Gosh, I don't know. Um, all of us. I mean, we all. I like tasted. all the slave layers. They're amazing. <laughs> how they how they're able to create those bodies. Oh, those aren't costumes. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the most memorable. Shall scene. I beat him up or shall you? No, no. <laughs> I'm just we'll leave that to Kathy, his yeah. fiance. Okay. So for you, you just 
love them all. I love them all. I love all the costumes. I love it when all of us get together, when we have a huge parade and a huge march, and you just see all of the stormtroopers. It's so impressive. I know my foster son actually is really, I think he's going to wear the stormtrooper armor tomorrow. He really wants to be in the parade. So, is that open to all comers? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. You do not have to be fun with friends. I, this is what I say. You know, it's really hard being in a club that's meant to be fun and then have to come up with rules. I hate rules, but they're necessary. Oh, my gosh. But we had, we had, to, we had to stipulate, you know, minors, unless they had a, yeah, unless they had a, someone to accompany them. We had to say no non-501st members unless approved. And this is just to cover our butt in case someone did something wacky and ruined the very, very delicate relationship we've developed with Lucasfilm yep. all the time. And how always walking on eggshells with that simply because we have armor that he didn't sell us. So how, how is that, by the way? You guys, well, I've noticed that Timothy Zahn obviously made a dedication to you guys in his last book. and I. Huh? Yeah. In the book. He put you guys we in the are, book. We are a Star Wars universe now. I saw that. I was very happy for Oh, he, he's making this really goofy face. It was great. He was hung out, crossing his eyes. inspiring leadership you know, it's pose. It's so canon. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's, well, it, it, it's been this great story. I mean, you know, as a child, you know, you, you grow up and you... You're so in awe of what Lucas did, and, and every Star Wars fan is. And I had a really unique perspective in making those initial uh, gestures to them. And it's really hard when you don't know them. But like four years ago, missing Steve Sansweet by like a hair, you know, at, at a con, and, and trying our best to be put on the radar, but not in a bad way, so that the lawyers come after us. Um, Eventually, word got back to us through Pablo Hidalgo from Lucasfilm and said, Steve knows about you, he wants to talk about this. And over a course of several emails, we said, okay, look, we're doing this. You tell us if there's some way we can volunteer for you. And, and, and they were smart enough, Lucasfilm was smart enough to know, hey, these are raw recruits. They're free. If we keep them, you know, uh, within the fold, uh, we can get them to do things for us, and, and, and we get the great PR of them being fans. I mean, Paramount, if you don't mind me mentioning it, screwed themselves by turning on the fans and clamping down on the copyrights. So over the course yeah, of like years... Yeah, they've like been, they've been suing people for their fan films and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And whereas George Lucas gives away awards? Yeah. yeah. Which, there's a huge difference there. Yeah, I mean, Sansweet, you know, Lucas vis-a-vis Sansweet has been, they've been very... Uh, pioneering and making sure that you know we we are you know some a resource that they can use. They've used us for the IMAX screenings of Episode uh, Two. They were they used us for the premieres of Episode One and Two. And anytime people need stormtroopers, like um, at that video game convention, mm-hmm. um, they they said we want to have a bunch of stormtroopers, and Lucas said, well, call the Las Vegas Garrison because he doesn't do it. You guys do. Right. Yeah. Right, I mean, they were the ones, Lucasfilm was instrumental in calling Disney and telling them, yes, you should use these guys in your Star Wars Weekends parades, which... So you guys do Star Wars Weekends? Yes. Yes. Down at Disney? Yes, we've uh, done it two years now. Oh my gosh, do you guys actually get to, like, ride rides afterwards? We we march in the parades, and then we go in the park and play and just have a great time. So you don't get paid, but you get to be in Disney for free for a day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like you're getting... Well, not like you're getting paid, but you're getting compensated, and people take your picture. Oh, yeah. Kids they, love you. They stopped short of letting us roam the park after the parade because they have performers who are, you know, they know what the boundaries are. I think we've, we're professional enough, and we've, we've tried to cultivate a reputation for being professional enough, but 
Disney is, you know, of course, very skittish of their liability. Disney is a big communist country. Yeah. And the troopers, the troopers that Disney hires to play the stormtroopers, like in the park and wandering around during that time, they their armor doesn't look as good as ours, <laughs> but they they are they act trooperish. Like my little girl. You know, she knows mommy does this, and she has a great time. When she was two, she used to say, Mommy, wear a helmet, get candy, because she was so associated with trick-or-treating. She ran up to a stormtrooper at Disney World, just ran up to him and hugged him. And, of course, they, instead of being like we would be, which is, oh, give him a hug and all this kind of stuff, they did what a trooper would do, which is back off and, like, get away, kid, you bother me kind of thing. And so it was great. She was awesome. She was devastated. She's a trooper. Yeah. I said, that's not mine and mommy's That's a not, great, you know. A great story from that is when uh, the first time I marched out there, you're marching in the parade. And I'm used to parades. You walking up, patting kids on the head. You do the little fake, you know, firing the gun, fake dying when they wave their lightsaber at you. And uh, I got taken to the side by a couple of Secret Service-like agents, you know, uh, employees, saying, you know what, we don't do that. You stay in character, and I learned my lesson right then and there. You just march and be quiet. And and, and she's right. Their costumes are like these costumes made in Japan for a Star Wars on Ice show. Oh, my gosh. But the first year we went out there, we saw guys with notes. Or uh, pads and paper, oh, you know, yes. pencils and taking notes. And, and uh, the, this last year we went back, totally refined costume. Still needs a lot of work, but a lot better costume. So. Why didn't they just hire you guys? I don't know. To make it's, them the professional so they, they have this big rule that behind the scenes you cannot take any photographs whatsoever. And they, they themselves were running around with cameras taking pictures of us while we were shooting up and, and getting ready for the parade. They were just, like Alvin said, taking notes. And they would come up to us and just like, oh my God, your costume's so good, your costume's so good. Because they, they told us, we just want troopers. We don't want uh, Vader's or, or Boba Fett's or whatever. And because then, they have union people that right. are paid to do that. So they're not going to tell their people to take a break, but take they, a powder when they're paying them. Mm-hmm. But they bent the rules and allowed one of the Florida guys to come in as Django, and his yeah. Django kicks. Because they didn't have a Django. Because I knew it was the last con there was one yeah. that, you know, his little Antenna thingy up. comes up and down. That yeah. probably sounded really perverted. <laughs> yeah, if this, if this guy's Django Who could blame him for his thingy know, suddenly took off in the air, I, I wouldn't doubt it, because, I mean, his costume is so good. So he made their boba look like crap. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they didn't have a Django, huh? No. No. We're typically way ahead of the curve on a lot of things. I mean, when Episode 2 first started leaking what the clone troopers were going to look like, we had guys in California oh busting their butts to yes. to convert existing what I call TK helmets, because the guy was named TK-421 on the Death Star in A New Hope. But your, your plain Jane TK helmet, cutting a slit in it, trying to make it look just like what these concept drawings look like. So we're always way ahead of the curve. Now, how, what I want to know, I just saw a clone trooper downstairs, and I know for a fact Lucasfilm did not produce one set of clone trooper armor. Nope. How in the world are you guys doing it? All right, well, a mixture of things. Like I said, some guys are really good in their shops at this vacuum forming. There was the Kellogg's uh, send-away for the yeah. little helmets. Is it post helmets or Kellogg's? Well, I, I forget. It was, it was Kellogg's, but they were selling them in Canada. Yeah. And you and you bought like two boxes of cereal, and right. on one side was one half of the helmet, and the other side was the other right. half, and they were cheesy little plastic things. Yeah. Games. And for a while there, guys would just like form off of those, vacuum form off of those, and build a mold off of that. Well, they looked awful. 
and uh, some of them did. Because the one downstairs, he looked great. Well, yeah, oh, and then yeah. what they did is they went back, and now they've got professional sculptors sculpting a good mold, casting off of that, and, uh, you know, it's looking better every uh, uh, stage in the evolution. So that's ingenuity for you. Cool, cool. Um, well, let me see. Okay, we've gone on for about half hour here, so. Um, did y'all have anything else you want to add? I mean. As far as costuming, I have one really good story that I always like to share with people, any, and that yeah, is. Yeah, uh, tips, not maybe. Well, no, this is just an anecdote. Okay, I mean, well, as far as tips are concerned, here's good cost. Since this is a costuming segment, if you're going to get into Stormtrooper armor, the number one thing everybody's going to teach you is get in the community. Get to talking to people about it. Do not be afraid to cut your armor. Get rid of the Velcro. Find ways, either ABS glue to attach it permanently in some points, or some people use rivets, some people hate rivets. It holds your armor together. I've gotten to where on fan film shoots, I can actually drop from standing position on the ground, and it looks painful, but it's not, and get back up and the armor's fine. You've got to build it to be flexible, comfortable, strong, and that means taking some risks, really cutting that stuff up and, and fastening it together. And that's the biggest problem because you buy it, and it is expensive. It's a thousand like, bucks! And, when, and I got my pieces right as they had been pulled. They weren't cut. Sherilyn and I spent days figuring out which piece was what and cutting it out ourselves and sanding it down and making it fit. You know, some people just buy it, boom, there it is, ready yeah. to put on. Sometimes you can get a kit, and all you got to do is sand it really good so that the glue sticks the pieces together really well over the Velcro. And when you've invested that much money and that much time, you hate the thought of, like Alvin said, of cutting it, especially the, the TKs, because one of the main things is you cannot sit down in a TK when it's brand new. You cannot sit down. You have to modify your thighs and various areas so that you can sit. And a lot of guys don't want to do that because, oh, I'm losing some authenticity or I'm, I spent so much, what if I mess it up? That's how my husband and I feel because we've got his armor, and you know what? It's too tall for him. No, and we've got to cut it down because he can't walk in it, but we're you, afraid Kathy, of messing up. You should have had Kathy come along because she is one of the few girls that had armor, TK armor, cut for her, and they cut enough plastic off of that literally to make another suit. They had no fear. They cut the hell out of that thing. They cut, you know, shoulder belts half the size they should have been. All the thighs cut way down. But it fits her perfectly. And here's the thing a lot of people, a lot of listeners won't know. A lot of the stunt people that were working in A New Hope as Stormtroopers were women. Actually, I knew yeah, that. Okay. Actually, yeah, okay. I actually asked Peter Diamond, who was one of the original Stormtroopers and a stunt coordinator before he passed away. I said, is that, is that true? And he goes, yeah, we had women working on the set because they are slender, they're more proportional in a lot of ways. And, uh, we look better in the armor. Yeah, exactly, in a bodysuit or armor. But um, <laughs> if you can, if you can just cut it down and not worry about it, trust me, it will look right on your body type to mm -hmm. a certain degree. And be comfortable because that's one of the other tips is be prepared for bruising and pinches. You're going to look like a heroin addict the first yeah. time you take it off. The tracks up your arm, yeah. Everywhere the pinch, armor, pinch, 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 and it hurts. But we wear those like badges of honor. Yeah. We come out and we're at dinner and we're like, look at this, look at this bruise. You got know? my pink marks on my forearm. Yes. Yeah. It's great. Or you have a big, huge ridge across your head because your helmet isn't sitting right. Another good anecdote for costumers is we're amazed at how many times we'll meet people in the industry, and they'll think we are from Lucasfilm. We had a, a surprise birthday party uh, for John Williams when he was at the Boston Pops, and the New England garrison went up there and arranged the whole thing. And when they showed up, 
brought him out the cake, sound of the Imperial March. He was delighted. In fact, almost every Star Wars celebrity we've ever approached, they're just delighted. And they go, did George send you? You know, did Lucasfilm send you? And we're like, no, we're just fans. And they're amazed. Uh, you know, like Mark Hamill, we presented to him a couple months ago, and he just freaked out. And Mark is quite the ham. He just started hunkering down on the stage going, yeah, we used to have to sit like this on sawhorses when I was in the army. This is great. Yours looks so much better. So it's obvious that we've done a really good job. If you've ever gone to Magic of the Myth, uh, a, a traveling exhibit where you see the trooper armor on display, horrible. The stuff they had was horrible. I actually, there is in Wilmington, North Carolina, a candy store in downtown Wilmington where the lady, the owner there, is an enormous Star Wars fan and she has an original R2-D2 from the movie wow. and an original set of Stormtrooper armor wow. from the movie in her window. And if you come over and you look at it, like I went there, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm such a Star Wars fan, this is so awesome. And she went, oh, well, she pulled the helmet off and stuck it on my head. Wow. She's like, I only let the women wear it because women wear the stormtroopers and stuff. Ah, That's how I learned that. Oh, okay. And you know what? Having seen the stuff you guys wear and hers, hers was crap. Yeah. It really was. And it was the stuff from sadly, the movie. Yeah, it was very cheesy looking. Yeah. Um, so you said you had an anecdote to share. Well, my favorite anecdote about the, the rise of this club, and it, it has a lot of personal satisfaction to me, is the first time I came to Dragon Con was in 1998. I wasn't ready in 97, didn't think the club was ready. So I show up with a you know a 24 inch by 24 inch sign going hey 501st squad because we were a squad back then everybody rally around the sign and about eight nine people showed up Sherilyn was there I didn't have a table we didn't do anything we had people making fun of us going hey over from the 501st and I'm like yeah that's funny um, they're not laughing at now but anyway yeah. uh, we Anthony Daniels was the was this was the MC for that weekend. And we were so excited to finally meet this guy. And I stood in line for like, you know, an hour and a half with the sign. And I said, you know, if we can just get our picture taken with him, that's a silent endorsement, you know. So I approached Mr. Daniels, and I'm like, uh, Mr. Daniels, we're part of, you know, we're starting the Star Wars club up. I mean, you know, you really didn't see any costuming clubs for Star Wars. There was always Klingons or whatever for years. And this was new. And he was totally unimpressed, totally uninterested. In fact, his assistant grabbed my camera, snapped the picture. Before I knew it and we were done, I got back home and the picture, he's like looking away, not caring, the sign's crooked. I was Aww, mad as hell. Uh, uh, but fast forward, 2002, Celebration 2, we stand in front of the RCA dome, uh, and the line that's going out the door to get into the convention center turns, sees us, breaks formation, runs over to the steps. We take all our pictures, helmets on, helmets off, buckets on, buckets off, whatever. And the crowd applauds. Oh, they it's went just, nuts. It was, oh. it was incredible. They applauded they, you guys. Well, they started the moment we marched in. We formed up at the hotel and we marched down the street to the building. And, and they were just in awe of us. And it was great because they they, uh, they they just were thanking us because we busted our asses that weekend, really doing crowd control, making sure Wizards of the Coast wasn't overwhelmed. They had tears in their eyes. They were so happy we were there. Um, and that was one of our first really good Lucasfilm gigs. But the best part about it was we're standing there all formed up, and here comes a guy in a black uh, turtleneck and running up the steps. And everybody's, like, making way for him. We're like, well, who the hell is this jerk? And he walks up and he's Anthony Daniels. He goes... You, you, you all look lovely. Can I get my picture taken with you? I'm like, yeah, you know, here Did we are. Did you tell him you're the jackass? No. He was like, a picture 
I wanted to. It was like four or five years ago. You're a nice I was by that. myself, and you didn't want you know anything to do with me. And now I've brought my 250 friends, and you're coming to us. And when yeah, you can have your picture with us because we're not. Because we're not having our picture with you. You're having it with us. So you know we, we got over it fast. He's a member. You know we've got a lot of. We've, we've, we've presented them all with honorary membership plaques, and they love us now, but uh, it was not a pretty beginning. That's funny. Oh. Well, I know that, like, um, Richard Lepermentier was uh, one of my first interviews that we did uh-huh. at IQM2, and he played Admiral Motti, which you guys know, but maybe the listeners don't. Anyway, he told me that the greatest thing ever was at Celebration 2. He had signed about five autographs for this one guy. The guy grabbed the pictures and ran off with them. But he had two stormtroopers standing behind him who he just went, hey, you know, they took off after oh him gosh. and they brought him back a couple more. They rounded up a couple more, grabbed him, brought him back, paid him for the pictures. Nice. Oh, that's wonderful. You want to hear another good one? You want to hear another good one was at Celebration 2. Uh, Carrie Fisher was one of the three people I was told not to get near for honorary membership presentations. Hayden Christensen, Billy D. Williams, and Carrie Fisher, which was crap because here's two good stories for you. Hayden Christensen wanted to see the convention, but he did not want to get mobbed. So do you know what he did? He went over to one of our members, uh, I think it was Dirty Tom, Tom Young, and said, hey, can I borrow your helmet? Put the helmet on, walked around the convention, no one knew who he was. And I, everybody was like, who's a dork with nothing but a stormtrooper helmet on? That was Hayden Christensen. Got to see the whole con. Story number two is Carrie Fisher was going to one of her pan, well, one of her signings, and we assigned a couple of troopers to, to go over there and stand, you know, and be walking decoration, as I call them. She had to then leave the room and cross a hallway where a huge press junket was waiting. And what they did was they put the helmets on the troopers, and the troopers actually, and I think Evan Reynolds was one of our members that was doing this, ran her across this long open hallway, past the press junket, and got her to her green room or whatever, her, her room, back, or her whatever, way back to her hotel room. And for like, they said for about 30 seconds that they were defending Princess Leia against the media. And, you know, no one's ever heard of that, but it That's was a so great experience. Great. Oh, my yeah. gosh. So she, must have, she must have really enjoyed that. Yeah. They've got, you know... They've just got to love the fan attention because how could you not? Yeah. These people who just, especially as long as you're not weird. Yeah, there's a documentary coming out soon called Heart of an Empire by Jason Thompson, and it's being produced near Burlington, North Carolina. And uh, the preview is out. You go to heartofanempire.com. You see the trailer. Awesome. And they've done interviews with all these actors about what is it about the 501st. It's It's a documentary about the 501st. I mean, who the hell wants to do this? Why are we around? And it'll answer a lot of your questions. But the celebrities, like you say, have been very appreciative. All right. Well, do you guys have any parting bits of wisdom or last-minute things? Um, always pee before you get in armor. Yes. And, I uh, could see that. Stay hydrated, but, you know, don't drink too much. <laughs> have fun with it. Um, be ready to suffer for your art. But, uh, That's right. And, and, no, i tell you what is my... my religious mantra to this whole thing is don't be called a geek because there's a lot of other ways that people are geeks like NASCAR fans or wrestling fans or sports fans and no one ever says anything about that but this for some reason enjoys some sort of stigma about it and I say go with it you know hello
Um, I'd like to thank Alvin Johnson and Cammie Freeman for having this great interview with me. And, of course, this is the costuming episode. So if any of you guys have any questions for these two, um, just they've both got uh, – you can email me. Or email Cammy at Cammy at CostumeC.com. And if anybody needs to get a hold of the 501st? Uh, www.501st.com, 501st. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Thanks for listening to the costuming episode. Any saved rounds from anyone? Carolina501st.com for the local uh, garrison here. And, of course, the 501st.com for the, the Worldwide Legion website. Oh, and what I meant to say also, if you want to link your website, if, if it is a costuming website, and you want to link it to Costume C, I would love to link it. So just uh, shoot Rich an email, because he maintains the site. And we'll make me. sure that we get some banners up and ready, and, and that website is constantly evolving. Oh, it's, it's almost nothing right now. Give it some time. We haven't been able to sit down and work on it, but we will be shortly here in the next couple weeks. www.costumec.com I'm Derek Neiman. I'm with the 501st Stargate Command and Buccaneers of the Atlantic Coast, and I am an outcast. Arr.